With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the NFL! What's up, party people in the house? It's the Dynasty War Games. I'm your host, Jesse Schneeman, and I'm here with my main man, as usual, Chad Mendoza. How you doing tonight, Chad? Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm glad to be here. Sipping on orange juice. Uh, orange juice? No alcohol in it, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but, yeah, at a buddy's house in Arizona, so having a good time. Yeah. On the road for work, right, still? Yeah, yeah, work, work. But, I mean, it's good to be around friends. Right on, right on. And we are joined by tonight by one of my favorite people in this space, one of the most entertaining people you can have on a podcast, one of the most entertaining people you can listen to on his podcast. Uh, We met on Dynasty Game Night. I'm joined by Herms at Herms NFL. What is up, my friend? Oh, oh, man. Games, that's what's up. Games is what's up. I, I, bro, bro, dude, Friday vibes, hanging out, drinking stuff, getting, getting turned, playing games, talking about football. There are, like, I, I cannot think of a better combination of things to be doing. I mean, like, that's this is, I'm this is what about. it's all about. Seriously. Oh, party time. Let's go. Glad to have you on, man. Yeah. As we say around here, it's the, it's the most fun we can have with our clothes on. <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> <laughs> all right so what are you drinking there herms ah uh, uh, the patented uh herms mango rita yeah budweiser's finest accomplishment just very nice and i see you've got a skull buster there that's a 16 ouncer yeah no i uh they're very cheap at my gas station oh uh 25 actually 25 yes, ouncer i think it's bigger than his head it's a man's drink. Yeah, it is. Sometimes you got to do what you got to do, man. It's right Friday. On. You know, I don't right. have to work tomorrow. What does it matter? <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Cool. Uh, so, Herms, uh, plug yourself. Where can we find you? Oh, oh, oh that went down. Okay. <laughs> uh, a little tart. Okay. So, <laughs> we're not getting Bud Light as a sponsor. No. Uh, it tastes good. I drink it all the time. So, it's an endorsement of sorts. Okay, uh, right on. You can follow me on Twitter at Herms NFL. Uh, like you alluded to a little bit before, I have a podcast, The Lateral Show. Uh, probably not publishing a new episode for the remainder of this month. But our last episode was with Joe Pisapia of Fantasy Pros, which is a good segue because nice. I too contribute work to Fantasy Pros. That's where you Very can find nice. my written content, doing some other type of stuff over there. And st- I'm sure once the season starts, I'll get back on the news desk and do those types of alerts, keep track of injury reports for people so you can better manage your fantasy football team. Instead of reading the injury report yourself, I'll help you out. I'll do the whole thing. And then, yeah, so just, yeah, on Twitter, Herms NFL, Fantasy Pros, and then my podcast that you mentioned. And if you like that, if you like me and then you want to hear me, like, yell the F word a lot, like that, my podcast is a great place that you can hear that. (laughs) We're not allowed to do that here. We can yell any other word, just not that one. (laughs) 
<laughs> if you are looking for that place, uh, go follow Herms. Go uh, go check out his podcast. I'm telling you, when Herms and I, like I said, we met on Dynasty Game Night, and I just I thought this was an amazingly fun person. So <laughs> we had to have Herms on this show. And he's been kind of like chattering at me like, hey, next time you do a game, next time you do a game, all right, cool, let's do a game. Yes. Ever right. doing a game? Ever doing games? We're, we're doing games. Game. We're doing games. Dude, <laughs> I love games. Games are so much fun, dude. I bro. That's why so, we do this. And I feel so <laughs> bad because, like, the last couple of times we tried to coordinate it, it just like it it overlapped with like me attending sporting events. Unfortunately, <laughs> so yeah, it's a wedding. Like, I think you had a wedding at one. Yeah, place. just like oh, okay, but hey, we're there now. We're there now. So that's, that's what's going on. It, it took a little bit, but we are here. We are here. Oh, dude, I, I'm talking too much. You've, you've already got some. You've already got some fans in the chat here. Uh, Mike Kinney's. He <laughs> he's very happy. We have somebody that's very animated with their hands. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah. So for those of you that that maybe new to the podcast or don't listen to us a lot. Mike Kinney is our number one supporter in chat. This guy has been in chat for every single one of our podcasts. I think he was in like on our four hour uh, draft night podcast. I think he was in for like three hours. I mean, the guy's amazing. So just shout out. And Joseph Fry, he's a DWZ member um, joining us live tonight. Thank you, friend. Oh, and Gator J is here. So Gator J is somebody that I met um, through uh, Dynasty Fever broadcast podcast that i do with brian ford we did a, a mock draft one night and gator j jumped in with us and tell you what that he's a fun dude so man and brian ford's in in chat as well so we got a lively chat tonight yeah yep they're kicking it off <laughs> all right so yeah so herms you are you're taking over for our normal co-host uh captain mike casper who is out on uh doing actual war games with the u.s army at the moment. Oh, there you go. So he's I a real captain. service, of course. Yeah, so he's usually the one that gets a little more animated. So you're kind of taking that. Uh, you're kind of taking over that role. I mean, so, you found a logical replacement for that role. I mean, it, in the world, with like, <laughs> if, if you're ever in need of just like an aggressively animated loud person that just like waves their limbs around, just hit up arms. Yeah, I, I, I think of you as an animaniac. I mean, I've known him for a whole like five minutes now, and I've already got the whole persona down. I like, yeah, all right, gentlemen. So, I without further ado, am drinking. Uh, well, I've got a little collection. Um, I'm a little stuck on this Corona hard seltzer watermelon lime, that's pretty good flavor. So, I've got a couple of those, I've got some Corona citrus lime. And I've also got some a couple of Vizies, blueberry pomegranate, and pineapple mango. There's too Anybody much that knows me knows I like the girl. There's drink. too much fruit going on in your alcoholic beverage life. Yeah, uh, but I love it. Oh, man, I can't do it. Can't <laughs> do it. Yeah, maybe maybe you'll have to turn me on to some good ones, and I'll and I'll have to try a few. But yeah, you know, honestly, um, the crazes sort of died down, and the good ones that I liked have sort of not been around. So I'm I'm just doing what I can here. Anyway, let's play some games. Yes, gentlemen. Let's do it. All right. So the first game that we have for tonight, uh, we have three games. The first one is called Two Truths and One Lie. All right. So I am going to give you a player. I'm going to give you two truths about that player and one lie from that player. 
All right. So once I'm done reading all three of these clues, the first person to, to buzz in, um, each person has their own buzzer. Herms, you want to give me your buzzer? <laughs> Chad, you can give me your buzzer. Uh, my mine may change as the game goes along, but we'll start with this one. Sweet. Okay. So, um, uh, yeah. So once you buzz in, you you give me the lie. If you get it wrong, you get minus a point. If you get it right, you get plus a point. So the theme tonight is going to be young players that are looking for a third or fourth year breakout. All right. All right. First one, Hollywood Brown. All right. You guys ready? Let's do it. Absolutely. Hollywood Brown has had more than 20 touchdowns in his three seasons. Hollywood Brown has had multiple seasons of 120 plus targets and 60 catches. Hollywood Brown has never been a top 20 wide receiver in in fantasy. Chad, Chad. I'm going to go You said you said more than one season of 120 receptions? Has had multiple seasons of 120 plus targets and 60 catches. Okay, I'm going to go I'm going to go with the last one. I'm going to go with the uh top 20 has never been a top 20 wide receiver. Yeah. I don't That's your that. answer. Yep. Wrong. Incorrect. Minus oh. one for Chad. Anyone else going to buzz in? <laughs> yeah. There it is. That All right, it. Herbs. Okay. What do you got? I'm not buying the, the 120 target 60 catch thing. That is correct. Yeah. All right. Check it out. Come bring it home the gold. All right. But not by much. It was a 59 catch season. <laughs> So it was not by much. That was a that was a tough one. When was that he? Was when was he a um, top twenty? He has never been a top twenty wide receiver. Oh, I thought. Never mind. Okay. Oh, so you picked an answer that you didn't even understand. I created my own thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, good no. job. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I thought. I just thought that that was kind of eye opening. So, one of the things we do here, Herms, is after we. After we play a game or after we, we go through a round of a game, we talk a little bit about it, yeah. right? Because the whole point is to educate and to learn, right? So we want to learn from you. And I just thought that it was pretty eye-opening that Hollywood Brown, you could probably, you know, you probably get a first for him. You know, you probably get a 2023 first for him. And he's yeah. never been a top 20 wide receiver. Is that surprising to either one of you guys? No, I, I knew he was never a top top 20 i think he i think he was relatively close this past year but i know he was a a a wide receiver too but i think he was on the back end of that um yeah he was close yeah but uh but yeah i mean it's one of those things new place you know people really liked him Mm -hmm. uh as a prospect and people really liked that first year and saw some promise there and and they want to give him the benefit of the doubt with a with a maybe a more you know passing relevant quarterback and more passing relevant offense what do you think about that, Arms? I mean, I've been on record as saying that I like the player, but the system in Baltimore is just odd for a player of his talents to kind of just be like the, all right, hey, we're going to lean heavy on you there, bud. Like, I mean, uh, it never made a ton of sense to me. And then, right. But I will say, like, it is a little surprising that he, well, maybe not like super surprising or anything, but like, I remember like the end of the 2020 season. 
Like, it seemed just like every game he was hauling in a touchdown. <laughs> it's like, I had kind of figured yeah, maybe just right. like that alone would have like barely like bumped him in. Or I something. mean, and he but started, like, he started out 21 as an elite wide receiver one. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he was going bonkers with that stuff, but like, man, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm very excited about the prospect of him being able to return to being Kyler Murray's, uh, you know, number one go-to guy. Because, you know, remember, hey, if we yeah. go back to the college days, folks, hey, they were pretty good. They were pretty was good. It, I, I'm not a college guy. That was Oklahoma, right? Oh, Oklahoma. Yeah, that's absurd. Hey, that, that connection was real, bro. Like, I'm, I'm saying, man. Like, And even when DeAndre Hopkins comes back after the six-game suspension, like, I mean, I'm sure, like, it will create like more issues in the target distribution than I think people are taking into account now, just because it's so like, because it's so far in the future, it's kind of just an abstract concept at this point, especially for dynasty managers. Like we're not thinking about week seven or whatever, whenever their bye week is, I don't know, like if it's going to be week seven, week eight, whatever, like after the six games is over, basically like we're not really thinking about that now, but it, you know, and maybe like, a 23 first or something, if you are just, like, really, really going for it, sure. But even then, I would feel, like, a little hesitant unless it's, like, yeah. unless you know it's going to be, like, an absolute back-end first or something. But, like, mm-hmm. I, it's, it, he's such a curious one for me that, like, I'm getting rosier and rosier on for redraft. But from a dynasty perspective, it's still something I haven't wrapped my head around. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a great point. In redraft, I'd be a little bit more... Uh, likely to to go in on him and, and maybe take a bit of a gamble and taking him earlier than maybe I would have anticipated if he didn't have the move. Um, and especially with that suspension, uh, I think I think he could have a really good beginning to the season. I mean, with with the rapport that those two already have, yeah. uh, talking about Kyler and, and and Hollywood, and I I don't know. I mean, I could also seeing it go the same way it went in, in Baltimore, where he sees a high number of targets. Um, he's not very efficient with the reception side of things, but he's also fairly efficient in the yards per catch and the touchdowns. Um, well, and, and that was you know. that that was kind of I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Chad. And I was just gonna say, and just having that kind of borderline wide receiver two kind of year, uh, I mean that wouldn't surprise me either. So But and that was kind of my point when saying he had over twenty I think it's twenty two touchdowns in his three seasons. I didn't want to put an exact number on it because then you know it's not the lie, sort yeah. of. You know what I mean? I, I felt, but like that means he's not really touchdown dependent, right? So, I, not being a wide receiver in any of those three seasons really surprised me. You know that it's not the touchdown dependency. Really, it's it's the efficiency. You know. Okay. Anything's possible. Right on. Right. On. I, I like him. I, I just. I also think that. You know, thinking that he's going to be like DeAndre Hopkins' replacement as wide receiver one might might be fool's gold because one Hopkins will be back, right? And two, even if he has lost the step, the Cardinals have shown they'll be aggressive in in bringing him weapons. So if you if you're thinking about next year, it is dynasty. We have to think about next year and the year after. I don't think the Cardinals are just going to stand pat and say we're going to go with Rondell Moore and Hollywood, you know, Hollywood Brown. No. They're going to bring somebody in. Yeah, they'll bring somebody in, whether it's through the draft or, you know, trade or free agency. And, like, even worst-case scenario, like, if Hollywood does become the Christian Kirk in the offense, 
that's a hell of a thing to be. <laughs> like it, I mean, it really is. It really is. I mean, because like, obviously, like I love. I, I'm higher on Christian Kirk than other people are. I couldn't tell you why. I just like him. But they're, like the talent very gap between the two, like that's true. But I'm just like, but theoretically, like you could plug in, like. Marquise Hollywood Brown has the speed to do that type of thing. Yeah. Like it wouldn't stun me necessarily if they were like, "Hey, let's you know fiddle around with you doing some you know crazy downfield stuff from the slot." I don't yeah, know. like it's, they it's have different idea. attributes that can do the same role. Yeah, well, I, I I don't think they will play the same role though because what I saw out of Christian Kirk last year wasn't slot only. He they moved him around to take advantage of teams that were playing um, zone. So that's when Christian Kirk is a really good zone beater. He's not like He's he's nothing like Hollywood Brown actually. Hollywood Brown is a is a sharp cutter root runner that that creates separation, right? And I don't think he has that NFL intelligence to beat a zone, right? Where his cousin Antonio Brown could do both, right? I I, I don't. I mean, I don't he's, he's still young. He's, he's been in. He, a, he is young, and he could develop in a, into that player. You're right. I mean, he's been in a pretty elementary offense as far as the passing game goes. So That's we'll true. That he's what, never been asked to do that. Yeah, yeah so we'll have to see what he's really capable of doing in this offense. Okay, that's you know what? That's a great point. Just because he's really good at separating doesn't mean he can't find a soft spot in his own. And yeah, that's so something like, that can be taught. Absolutely. Yeah, like the physical attributes required at, at minimum are there. Like, it is, it's it's theoretical. It's kind of an abstract point. But at the same time, like... It's, it's so, just an idea I had. It's right. June. I don't know. <laughs> right? No, no, no. Right on. Right on. Like, all right. So, yeah. it's it's not. And I, I just we don't we don't like groupthink here. So we we disagree with each other a lot. But <laughs> he definitely could f- replace Kirk. You know, as a weapon, maybe not. Maybe not immediately fill like the exact specific. X's yeah, maybe not like a one for one. Yeah. Right. Just, right. Right. Mm-hmm. But but could fill like the. Absolutely, could fill the need for for a weapon. Yeah, and, and absolutely, you can get open downfield. Obviously, yeah. All right. So before we move on to the next player, um, Herms, I, I brought this up the last podcast we were on, but over your uh, it's your right shoulder. Yes. Um, I thought it might be an uncle or your father, but it's not. It's the guy from um, CSI, right? Or uh, that is Law uh, and Order. That is. Uh, <laughs> Jerry Orbach of, uh, well, I mean, Broadway fame, but uh, also a uh, detective Lenny Briscoe on the original Law and Order. Right, right. <laughs> so when we were on Dynasty uh, game night, I was like, I, I was looking at it the whole night and I waited to the end of the night to ask, is that your dad? Because he looks a lot like the Law and Order guy. That's I was I was legitimately going to save it to the end of the episode, but I was so curious. I was like, it kind of looks like him, but he's so young. Oh, yeah, not. <laughs> right on. Is it autographed? Uh, I mean, so well, if I move my microphone, it'll be a little more obvious. But uh, it's it's a facsimile autograph. But okay, okay, right on. Yeah, nice. and then uh, beneath that, uh, that's crooked. Oh no! Uh, I, an actually autographed photo of uh, Keenan and Kel. Very oh, nice. nice. Very nice. <laughs> so I, I got a, I got a fake autograph and a real autograph. Right yeah. I have a fantasy team that I believe is going to win this year, Chad, in Fantasy Darlings, named X-Wing at Deliciousness. That's a Keenan. Yeah, a, yeah. That's a Key and Peele. Key and Peele, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, sorry. Uh, oh, you. Oh, shit. I just totally took that off the rails. You just said Keenan and um, Keenan and Kel. Yeah. I did say Kel from yeah, different, different show, both good shows. And I heard Key. I heard Key and Peel, and you should. You said Keenan and Kel from Good. No, but I mean, I would shout out Key and Peel though, especially because like you know, and I've been talking a lot about this recently. Like, you know, what Jordan Peel has moved on to do creatively has been truly fascinating. And then also like, this, yeah. it, I like season three already ended, so like you know, if if you're a fan of the show, you've probably seen it. But just in case, no spoilers for Atlanta, like. I'm starting to see Donald Glover kind of take that same path with some of his creative choices. And I'm just like, I'm really interested to see if that ends up happening. You know, just like the I haven't, man, I haven't going seen from the show to Atlanta, I it's swear really to God. Good. It's really good. Is it? Okay. <laughs> oh, man. It's right, one of I'll the best shows I've ever seen in my entire life. Really? What's the really name hard. of the What's the name of the actor that's, um, uh, God, I forget his name in the show. I haven't seen the show in like, uh, I didn't see the last season yet. Um, he was also in that movie about, um, you know, the guy uh, from the Klansman, that Klansman movie. Oh, uh, uh, Lakeith Stanfield. Yes, he's awesome. He's, he's excellent. He was he's the guy. He was also in Black Panther, right? Was he? Is that you're talking about the lead in, um, in I don't think Black so. Klansman? No, was but he in, I don't remember him in Black Panther, though. I don't think he would, but he was also in Sorry to Bother You. Like, that was another one that yeah. he did that was, yeah. like, super, super good. All right, yeah. so speaking of, have you guys seen We Own This City yet? I have do, okay, I, I have wow. no idea how it, like, I just completely avoided hearing about it, considering, you know, the whole thing. But, yeah, like, right? It's, I mean, it's, I live in Baltimore County, so it's, yeah, it's it's big for me. Yeah, like, dude, I mean, like, once I found out what it was and, like, who was, like, behind the project, I was like, oh, yeah, it's okay. David Simon. Yeah, like, I, I mean, have I have to see this. It's all, it's it's 90% of the, the actors are from The Wire. Yeah. Chad, like, do you know it? Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it yet. Do That's you know it John Bernthal, right? Yes. John yeah, Bernthal... I mean, I, I, I watched him on Walking Dead, and I think I've seen him in a couple other things. Wasn't didn't love him going in. Oh my god! Yeah, Herms, this dude does the best Balmer accent I have ever heard from a not from from someone that's not a native, yeah. right? Because in the original Wire, they had a couple people that were from Balmer, and you know, Absolutely. no, you're in a county, hon, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. This dude is, I mean, he nails it. It's, he is, he does such a great job, man. And it's all a true story. And it's, it's just amazing. It's all done in the David Simon style. It's so good. You have to. I def, dude, like, it's been, so, like, as far as, like, channel or streaming service or whatever, where is that able to be? Is this, is HBO, this an HBO, it's HBO okay. Max? All right. All right. So I, I got that. Pay the 15 bucks, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude! I one hundred, <laughs> dude. I'm definitely gonna show. Well, plus yeah. anything, you know, Maryland-based content right. is the best content. Right I'm on, just right saying, on. you know, like that's that's what it's all about. Where Where are you from originally? I am from uh, out a little bit uh, more closer to West Virginia, like, Frederick. I'm, I'm out in Western Maryland. Yeah, gotcha. Okay, right on. Yeah, I'm from the county, hon. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I ain't from here, but I live here. There you go. Oh, <laughs> It's a beautiful right. place to be. And look at that flag, folks. Look at that flag. Look at that flag. 
Bunch it is of, one of the it is one of the nicer flags. A bunch of bunch of weirdo cult members with the flag, man. I'll yeah. tell you what, no other state in the union cares about their flag as much as Maryland. Uh, I would I would beg to differ. Well, I'm sorry, Texas. You're right. Colorado it, goes pretty it was hard a, with their flag too. Yeah, oh, California good, surprisingly. Colorado's not even a good flag. It's like a C with some stripes. It's not even. I think it's it, it's a, it's pretty cool how they integrate it into designs. Okay. I mean, Texas, stuff, but like Texas, Cal- was, that was the flag of the Republic of Texas. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. They were a country. That makes it. That makes you know a difference. California with the bear. That flag's pretty cool too. Yeah. True. I mean, I, I like South Carolina's with the moon, with the crescent moon and the. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that is actually a pretty nice. Flag. I don't know how we got to talking about state flags <laughs> because flags- it's huge right behind them. But there is a cult of the Maryland flag. I'm telling you, these people are. In- I have it tattooed on my chest. I, I am wow. those people. I mean- <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah. All right, all right, gentlemen, let's move on. So Herms is up one point to negative one point, and the next player is. Miles Sanders. Oh, yeah. Here we yeah. go. So, Miles Sanders. I mean, some people think that he is still capable of a breakout this year. Yeah. I, I'm not wait, we're, just, just so I get this straight, we're picking the lie, right? You're picking the lie. Okay, cool. Miles Sanders has been an RB1 in PPR once in his three seasons. Miles Sanders has been at least an RB2, RB2 twice in three seasons. Miles Sanders has had more than 10 touchdowns in his career. That's my buzzer. Oh, uh, was it? Okay. <laughs> this just sounded like a big sigh. <laughs> um, picking the lie. I'm going to. I want to go with the first one. I'm going to go with the touchdowns, though. I don't think he's had more than 10. Sweet. Incorrect. What? I, yeah, it's just so everybody knows I'm always rooting against Chad. <laughs> All right, so that is incorrect. Herms. Uh, the second one you said does not sound true. Because mm. I, I think he – didn't he sneak in to do an RB1 thing once? I really think it's the RB2. No, thing. I think no, he was sir. just outside of RB1. I, no, sir. I see, no, I knew sir. that, but I was like, there's no way he's had more than 10 touchdowns. No, sir. Miles Sanders has never been an RB1 in PPR or otherwise. Has been an RB2 RB two twice in his yeah. three seasons and has 12 career touchdowns. I think he was like Did, RB15 like or something like that. Yeah. Right. I don't know how I convinced that. myself that I was right about that. It was right out. <laughs> it was right outside of RB one, but it was not an RB one. So darn. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was. It was his first. Se- it was his first season. That's why he got so much hype. I, I remember right. it because I remember right. buying a couple of Miles Sanders shares and like, oh, he's his first year right outside the uh, RB one bracket. And yeah, that's worked out great. I was so hyped after that season, dude. I was just like losing my mind, hooting and hollering, being just all of 2020 in the summer, just like this guy. And then just, nope, just ever since then, just. Yeah, I had my fair share of Miles Sanders after that season. But you know what? I realized it quickly in his next season. I sold him off. Um, I sold him off everywhere I could. Actually, a couple, couple of shares, one in particular, not till the end. After this season, traded him for Zeke, and then traded traded Zeke for one hundred and six, and got Jamison Williams. That's how you do it, folks. I mean, you know, that's uh, fantasy darlings, Chad. 
just so you know. It's it's a good way to <laughs> it's a good way to you know turn some pieces over and end up with something real good by the end of it. I mean, you know, that's what it's all about in Dynasty, man. You but let's talk it. about Miles Sanders a little bit, right? Yeah. So those twelve touchdowns that he has, that includes zero from last year. Yeah, right. That's why, that's why I found it so hard to believe he had more than ten because he didn't have anything this last year. So in that's two why seasons, I threw that in there. I thought touchdowns? it might be a little red herring. Yeah, that's surprising to me. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, oh, I'm getting a trade offers in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, here's my thought about Miles Sanders. I don't believe that. I mean, he's got truly. Um, how how do I put this? Like, what's the opposite of an elite trait? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. A deficit. Yeah, I, He's got a talent deficit in vision. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, he just doesn't see the holes. He's missed so many big runs because of it, and he can't stay healthy. Um, but he runs behind an elite run bo- blocking offensive line, one of the better, one of the best in the NFL, really, and. Uh, like it's it's a it's an offense that is it's not going to be as dedicated to the run as last year, but they're going to run the ball. Yeah. So there's a really good chance that Miles Sanders has an RB one season this year, but it is also a contract year. So where is he next year? I mean, the issue with him, like, like I mean, everything you've said being you know the case, you know, hundred percent, but also like. Elite blindness. There you hey, go. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> right. like, I didn't want to say it. That's that's that's. Uh, I think that's a Chris Harris thing. But anyway, go on. But like, I I also do have worries about his ability to contribute enough in the passing game to be able to reach that RB one threshold. Because for him to do that, he would have to. And like, look, positive regression to the mean is coming for him in the touchdown department. It just is. But he would have to vastly outperform. Yeah, that too. But like, at least because I mean, I primarily play in PPR leagues, like full point PPR leagues. Right. But even in full or half point, like you do need to have a certain amount of volume. And like year one, like we got really excited about what he was like. He contributed as a pass catcher a little bit here and there. Year two, it started to kind of like dwindle a little bit. And then even this past year, I didn't really see anything inspiring in that category either. And I think like the team's investment in in, like, I, I, again, I completely understand like, yes, it's only a fourth round pick Herms. He's not really anything that special, but like, you don't just draft Kenny Gainwell for nothing. You know, like it's clear that there's some sort of like need for them to add that extra facet to the running back room for them to be able to feel good about it. So, like, I don't know. Like, he's frustrated. But, like, if he does well enough, I would like to see him do something as part of a more robust committee elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Like, if you put him in tandem with somebody that, you know, kind of is just willing to, you know, do, I don't know. I just feel so conflicted. I don't know half the time. He do the really dirty work so up good. the middle like Jordan Howard? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? He's already had that. Yeah, so it's like I just, I just don't think that he's going to go anywhere that's going to be a better situation than he's in. I mean, there are a handful, but to your point, not many. Like, yeah, there's not many, but there there are some. I mean, you can see a, a maybe potentially. Uh, did Kareem Hunt sign a new contract? No, no. He's a so manager. Kareem Hunt leaves Cleveland. They bring in a guy like Miles Sanders uh, behind Chubb. That's not a bad. That's not a bad call because I don't hate it. Yeah, I don't hate it either because then he's he's not getting the usage that's going to wear him down or, or cause the injuries. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a chance that he stays healthy. Well, what's frustrating for me about Miles Sanders, and and this is just my perception, I I follow the Eagles fairly close just because they're an NFC East rival, but not, you know, close enough to to call this a fact. But it just seems like every time Miles Sanders is injured, it's one of those things where I'm watching him and I'm like, why is he leaving the field? He's injured. Like, it doesn't ever seem like anything serious. It's just a bunch of little things all the time. And that worries me. Because if a guy can't stay on the field for two-thirds of the season um, and it's never anything super serious, like you're not seeing Saquon freak injury where he, you know, steps on a player's foot and right. you know, breaks his ankle or something stupid like that. It's yeah, like, that was a freak injury last yeah, year. Yeah, it's these weird, like, you know, little things where you don't even realize he's hurt, but he's coming off the field and you don't you don't you never see him again. I, so, I am uh, not I am not the only person in, in you know in the Philly conglomerate, we'll call it to question his toughness. All right. I'm, I'm not inventing that. It's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. Cause I think, I think he is a talented player. I think in the right, um, with the right usage, he could be, I, I don't, I wouldn't call him an elite player, uh, dynasty player, but he could be a very useful dynasty asset. I think more than, or just as much as, you know, your, uh, Antonio Gibson's or, um, that kind of tier. I don't think I don't think there's really much to differentiate between the two, and they actually might have similar careers at the end of it. At the end of it all, with the injuries that they're both seeing, so we'll see. And we'll see. the teams we'll keep see. bringing in their replacements, so there's that too. Yeah, I also have this horrible feeling that Sanders could be a washout next year. There's a lot of good backs coming into the league. Oh my, oh man! If, I will tell you what. Also, just like a bonus redraft fun fact, just because you kind of threw that out there. I know it's a dynasty thing, but I'm not a big zero RB guy. But when zero RB is most effective is when like the balance between like the outgoing of the old guard and the incoming of the new guard is like right level. Mm-hmm. 2023 is that year. I will be talking about that a lot next year. <laughs> like interesting so point. Much. Interesting like, point, because, oh yeah, you do have some elite draft class. Well, one specific elite draft class with, you know, Dalvin and Kamara and, and was Zeke in that class, too. Like, mm-hmm. that's an elite he was class. was the year that's before, star- but, I mean, even... starting, yeah, they're yeah. starting to age a little bit. Yeah. And then you have a really good class coming in next year. Well, at least that's how it looks now. We'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah, I think I think Dalvin, Dalvin was in Saquon's year, right? Okay, mm-hmm. right. So, but you have a couple of elite classes that are starting to get a little older, you know. Yeah. That so. tide is really just—it's—it's it's right there. Yeah, it's flat. It's very calm. Right we, when it well, just... we haven't really seen an elite class in a while. It's—it's pretty—it's pretty crazy. Well, well, we did. You know what was it? Two years ago. Um, I mean, but they all got hurt. Is that really an elite class, though? Well, I mean, they all got, we we don't know yet. They've they've all been hurt. Acres, yeah, but Robbins, I mean, you know, you see, you see, Swift. like Saquon when Saquon came out and he puts up like I mean, ridiculous RB one. I mean, it's been unfortunate with the injuries, right? Okay, but, but you have JT up, that did that. No, but listen, he's put up truly ground a groundbreaking season his first year. Dalvin looked like a monster his first year, right? Yeah. Like you're having multiple guys coming out and looking like they're two of the best running backs in the NFL. Period. I mean, other than JT, I hear what you're saying. Can fizzle out. Swift can fizzle out. I know nobody wants to admit that, but absolutely, I he agree. hasn't done anything to say he's going to be an elite running back yet. Right. We, we like the talent. 
we like what he, what we're seeing from him, but production wise, it hasn't been there yet. And he's made elite. He's made elite plays, but he hasn't yeah. put up an elite yeah. season. Because yeah. like I think the case for twenty twenty is that from like a prospect profile standpoint, it's an elite class. It just so happened that from that point on, it's been some unfortunate, you know, careers to date for a yeah, lot of them. Point. Besides Jonathan Taylor, who obviously, I mean, hey, anybody who plays Dynasty, I think you know exactly how much you have to give up if you don't have them already. <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. oh boy, but like, yeah, I mean, like, that's but there's still time for that class, is what yes, I think. Yes, there you is. Know, yeah. Acres and Dobbins and Swift can still become elite. Yeah, but I think, I think that argument gets a little, a little dull when you're going into the third year and you're saying these are running backs. Like, well, we're going into our third now. year. We're well, right. That's what I'm if saying. It doesn't going happen. Into the third year, they've got to do it now. They've got yeah, to. Do if it. it doesn't happen, it's not gonna. Their value is going to drop incredibly if they don't do it this year. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, true. That's true. Absolutely agree. Yeah, Akers is real. He's really. I mean, Akers me. doesn't bother me as much because you can get him a little cheaper in some leagues. Like, you can shop around your leagues and, and try to find a deal me. on him because I think people are worried. Swift scares the shit out of me because mm. where you have him, I mean, he's worth a lot right now. I mean, he's going RB3, RB4 right now, consensus pretty much. Uh, and if he doesn't do it this year, I mean, you could see that drop to, you know, somewhere in, in double digits. I mean, he's got to put up a, he's got to put up an RB one season. He's got yeah, to, he does. he does. You're right. And we're talking about this whole class without even mentioning the, uh, <laughs> the, the Clyde Edwards, Hilaire elephant. In the- oh God. I forgot all about uh, that one. I mean, yeah, dude. I mean, talk about uh, we really need to see it in the third year. <laughs> like, He's a guy I've been sniffing around lately, though. Trying to try and nobody's nobody's budging yet, but I've been sniffing around trying to get him cheap. I offered Singletary in a second and got rejected. I thought I might get him for that, though. It's not a bad offer to send, you know. But like, I think the, the the tricky thing about him specifically is that a lot of people still kind of seem to have their tail tucked between their knees a little bit on that one. Cause it's just like, Oh no, no, no. You know? And like that kind of weird, just well, it's cognitive if you ha- sensation going on. Like, you yeah, know, if, if you have them, you don't want to sell cheap on them. At this exactly. Point. Yeah. yeah. It's still the chiefs. Yeah. And now that Ronald right. Jones, obviously, you know, like <laughs> your boy Rojo guy, you know, like, <laughs> but but honestly, should be a help because I think one he's of, a huge threat. I think I, he's a huge threat to CH production because if you if you want to run the ball, Ronald Jones is your man. If you want to throw to your running backs, Ronald Jones is not your man. But yeah. I believe that they want to run the ball, and that's how they want to beat the the two deep coverage that Mahomes can't beat himself. So they want to be able to yeah. hand off a guy to a guy that can get the tough yards, and that's who Ronald Jones is. But here's the other part of that, though, and why I think it's one of those things that will ultimately work out for Clyde Edwards-Alaire is, like, even when I was looking at the 2020 class coming in and kind of just jotting down my notes and building, you know, my Google Doc worth of a scouting reports, you know, quote-unquote. I'm, I'm not a scout by any means, so I, that's why the air quotes. But, like, what he was really good at at LSU – is the complete opposite of what the Chiefs have asked him to do. If they just cast him in the pass-catching role, being able to go out and do that, like, that would be phenomenal. And, like, yes, it does rob him of touchdown opportunity, which is, you know, something that, you know, like, I understand it from that perspective. But if he is able 
to work in that complementary fashion, it at the very least provides him a solid enough floor that you feel a lot yeah, better to be about an RB, than you did to be an RB two or a flex. Yeah, yeah. The, the issue, I, I'm sorry. The issue no, I have with that is that Mahomes has not shown that he wants to do that. He does not want to dump the ball off to running backs. He wants to push the ball. He has to take a step in his um, development to to actually make that a thing, right? So if he does that this year and he and Andy Reid sit down and Andy Reid convinces him that that's going to be part of your game this year, then great. But we haven't seen it. Well, we also haven't seen them without Tyreek Hill for a sure. like The offense has to change. It yeah. just has to. But they have so, a shitload of options that they brought in. I don't agree in. that it has to change, though. I Well, I yeah, MBS can stretch the field, right? I think they're going to stick with what they what they do because it's working, right? I mean, this is the most prolific offense we've seen in ever, right? So they're going to keep going with what they're doing until it doesn't work. Well, they can't right? flood the field with nine routes like they did the first two years. They couldn't Why? even do that last year. And now that they have Ty- Tyreek, they can't do it this year either. They're still they're, they're still consistently the most efficient offense in the NFL. That's yeah. a, that's what I'm saying. I mean, un- until I it's not working, like they're not going to – they don't care that we want CEH to be productive, right? Mm-hmm. Like they don't care. I agree they, they want They want their offense to win games for them. And I so think- far, they've been winning games with the way their offense is working. They'll change it when Mahomes starts struggling for an extended period of time, and even with the time that he struggled last season, that mm-hmm. wasn't long enough for them to say, okay, we need to make a change here. Well, like, I, I, I do think that they did make a little bit of a change by bringing in Rojo. And I, I do think that his struggles in, in that part of the season last year, and I was about to bring that up, that he did struggle because he wanted to push the ball still against too deep coverage yeah. and against bracket brutal. coverage and things that he couldn't push the ball against. Um, I, I just, I, I do think that he was stubborn and I saw it and it's not that he wasn't asked to do it. In my opinion, it's, it's that he wouldn't do it. So well, I mean, I, there I, has I, to I be a change in his mind. I disagree because if you look at the efficiency numbers over the course of the season, right? Like, okay, but it there was the most, it is the most efficient offense in the NFL or one of the most efficient offenses. But there was a period last season where they, there where they played, period. where they played a number of offenses or a number of defenses that kind of had their number and they didn't look so good. So, if yeah, that and that period again, didn't last. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, because they didn't play the same, we scared, but right? they didn't but play they the didn't same teams much. that were capable of doing the same things against them in the, de- in, uh, on defense. And then they lost in the, in the playoffs. So I don't think that their offense is, is the same as it was. Yeah. I, I think that I, I it's on a game-to-game basis, it, it really depends on who their opponent is. I think you're looking at a small sample size where Mahomes looked like shit and was making some stupid decisions. And you're I think saying, it had okay, a lot well, to do with the, the defense that he was playing and, and what they were doing against him. And I would also like to point out that there are iterations of an Andy Reid offense in which there is a role carved out for a running back to be able to contribute in that way. A lot of the changes that Absolutely. we saw to the Chiefs offense with Patrick Mahomes on like at the helm. Have you ever was, heard of Brian Westbrook? Exa- yeah, like him, Jamal Charles, like doing the, and like a lot of like what they were doing schematically for that stretch of time did have to like you scheme parts of your offense anyway around the personnel that you have to deploy. And mm-hmm. for as much as Marquez Valdez can't like can do some of those things, there is no like replacing Tyreek Hill just is not a thing that you just do with 
one guy. You have to do it in a creative number of ways in the aggregate to be. It's 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 like the same logic in my mind that I think about like a, a baseball team that loses like a long time stalwart at first base and then they just go with the platoon to be able to accomplish certain tasks and piecemeal it together that way like that is something that i think they could easily pivot back to because we've seen an andy reed offense do that before okay i just i it's not a given to me that it's all going to fall into place and it definitely could take time mm-hmm. yeah i think i just i mean i lean more towards i'm gonna have to see this offense struggle before i believe it's gonna struggle right on i feel yeah. that yeah I can see that too. Right on. For how for how good they've been, they deserve that benefit of the doubt. Right yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense to bet against them. Like it goes against all. I mean, all logic in my mind. I I don't think that Tyreek Hill was the key that unlocked that offense. I think he was part of it, a big part of it, right? But I mean, they've brought in some players. We'll see how those players fit into the scheme and see what they get out of them. Maybe they don't get what they're needing out of them, and and the offense does regress a little bit. But I think even a regressed version of that offense. Um, you know, uh, uh, a Tyree Killless version of that offense is still a an elite offense. Gotcha. That should be good. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, we have a lot of players and a lot of um, questions. Yes, to yes. <laughs> so I love the talk. I love the talk, but we're forty five minutes in. That is true. Yes. So um, the score right now is Herm zero and Chad negative two. <laughs> 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 So a negative score or a zero score can win the game. But just to make it competitive, this last question is worth three points. Oh, all right. Wow. So it all comes down, Herms, I know it sucks, man. All your good work is just thrown out the window. It all comes down to the last question. <laughs> it's like the game didn't even matter. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's see, that's what you learn when you come on Dynasty War Games is we're – we're just about teaching and learning, right? So who wins the game is ancillary. Well, that's because you never won. Yeah. So, All right. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk about that a little later. <laughs> I think I, I think I have a win. I think I have a win I'm going to be able to throw out there, but we'll talk about that later. All right. All right. So the last player in this game is TJ Hawkinson. All right. So okay. Hawk had over 60 catches each of the last two years. Hawk has been a, a tight end one in PPR twice in his career. Hawk has been a top five PPR tight end once in his career. Any buzzers? That was any my buzz? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Any, well, well, wait, any buzzers till I was again? done reading do not count. Let me read the last question again, and then you guys can buzz it. Okay. Ready? Has been a top five PPR tight end once in his career. <laughs> Herms. Uh, gamesmanship on this one, because uh, Chad seemed pretty confident after that second clue, so I'm just going to go <laughs> ahead and say the second thing. <laughs> oh, that shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. The second thing. So, all right, we're going to actually have to give Chad the win on this one. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I did. I, I, yeah, that was, that was, I just can't, I just can't sniping, <laughs> sniping those points. Just it, it, I don't it, want Chad to win, but Chad I even wins. felt bad. Chad, <laughs> Chad wins one, nothing. I can just can't do it as much as I want Chad to lose. I can't do it. That's all right. We'll call it a tie. We'll call it a tie. That was pretty. No, good. no, we need a win. We need a win in this game. So Chad wins <laughs> this game. 
Hawkinson has not been a PPR tight end one twice in his career, but he has been a top top a top five PPR tight end once yeah. in his career. So uh, the first question I actually wrote out a lot longer, and I realized if I do that, like it's going to be thrown the freak out. So I had over 60 catches each of the last two years, despite um, less targets and playing in four less games. Yeah, I wouldn't have been track with that. <laughs> yeah, but what I'm saying is he had 60 catches both of the last two years, um, over 60 catches, but it's pretty much the same number. But he played in four less games this last year um, and had a lot less targets. So yeah. it just shows to me um, he's progressing. Um what do you guys think about Hawk? Do you think he's a threat to be like one of the one of the elites? Are we going to have four elite tight ends this year? If everybody stays healthy, I, I mean, I, what what are we calling elite? Right, um, like a, like, like elite Kelsey's like a thousand yards at and eight touchdowns, eighty catches. I mean, no. I think he's. I think he's. I think he could potentially do that, but I mean, I don't know that that's even. A, I mean, that's a very good season. Probably puts you tight end three. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Can he do that? But I mean, I don't. I still don't think that puts you in the you know Kelsey uh, bracket. You know Andrew, uh, um, the Andrews bracket. You know if he recreates what he did last season, but sure, sure, it's not. It's not. It's not amazing, but I still think that's elite production. That's yeah. that's a player that you want in your flex in a tight end um, premium, right? I yeah. have so many conflicted feelings about TJ Hawkinson. I'm just going to sit this one. <laughs> like, no, talk to me. Talk to me. No, frankly, I mean, like I am torn between flashes that we have seen occasionally and the profile entering the league, like in stark contrast with the reality that, like hasn't really been it really has not happened yet and i understand that patience with tight end is an important thing to have and perhaps i am too eager to see something more but this idea that yeah yeah. that guy's (laughs) gonna take a while yeah and but like for i just i've seen people value him very very highly in the in in dynasty ranks and stuff and i'm just like you can't really talk me into him being like the tight end five or something, you know, but like I view him a lot closer to maybe like eight, nine, ten, something like that. I mean, like it's just I, I can't quite get there personally. It's just I thought I was low on him. Huh? Wow. I thought I was I was low on him, but I I have him higher than that. I mean okay. I I've, I have him as tight end thoughts. Four. Yeah, I don't have him. That high. I have the same. So who do you have as four? Um, I still have. Uh, so I have Pitts as my number one. Oh, Pitts. All right, then I have Hawk as five. I forgot about Pitts. Yeah, I think. I'm, I mean, I wouldn't argue with that. Uh, I mean, I just I'd love to say Goddard, but I just he's not in a high enough volume offense and has so much competition now. You know, I just he's he's not going to be hyper targeted. I mean, he's he's very efficient. He's a great player, but he's not going to get enough targets. You know, in a run first offense with you know, 
two other you know great pass catchers. I don't think he'll be bad. I think he'll still be top ten, but it's hard to call him five. Yeah. Right. Um, so I don't know. I've just seen a lot of people say they'd rather have him than Kittle. I can't. I can't agree with that. No. Um, no, I'd rather have Kittle. That's, that's where I get hung up too. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. Um, but do we think that he has the ability to 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 step into that range? Is really what I'm asking. Like, I think he has the talent, but is he in the situation? Is it going to happen? He has the talent, but the situation, and then also, frankly, just the hands still have not quite gotten there for for hmm. me. That the catch okay. percentage has not improved to a rate where I feel like now, now not to say that like this is not a player that I absolutely want on my dynasty team because I do and like I said like he's still well within that tight end one range for me he is a guy that in a 12 team league or whatever like needs to be <laughs> like you're feeling great if he's your tight end like right. for sure but in terms of arguing him in that top conversation right yeah that's what i I want to know i can't do it i just obviously we all like hawk and we all think he's a good tight end but yes yeah yeah right that's that's the question is he is he gonna elevate this is that's the question with all these guys that's 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 why Mm -hmm. you know that's why i put all these guys on here this is what i'll this is what i'll add um i just been i've been thinking over in my head because i like i'm so conflicted because i think he is for me about tight end five right and I'm like, okay, well, then why am I so – why do I feel like I'm so down on him? And it's not because I have him lower than tight end five. It's because I, I just – in my head, because I'm like, it, does that matter, right, that he's tight end five? Yeah, I get um, what you're saying. So – Is, I, is I five at, the same as nine? Yeah, I look at the rest 12. of the tight ends and I say, okay, at cost, would I rather have Dalton Schultz or TJ Hawkinson? I'd rather have Dalton Schultz any day of the week. Give me point. Dalton Schultz at his price over TJ Hawkinson at his price. Yeah. And that, I guess that's my that's the confliction with me is that yes, I think he's I think he's tight end five. Yes, I think he's a talented player. No, I'm not willing to pay what it costs to get him. Schultz is probably gettable with a second. Yeah. You know, if you have sure. like what is projected to be a high 2023 20, second, yeah, you can get Dalton Schultz with yeah. that. And like that's kind of how I like to aggregate dynasty value kind of in my brain a little bit is just like also like once you get past like the top tier of any position is really look at it on a like production expectation basis mixed with like what's the relative value kind of baked into that one little cookie you know and in kind of you know like dalton schultz is a good example of one of those players uh i think if you if you really want to go on the cheap cheap and it's i caveat you know major just asterisk here. like i'm not saying not saying this player's higher than tj hawkinson i want to make that very clear because i know what you're gonna say but but if you want to go on the cheap team and get yourself a cole commit or something like oh, you okay. you could be doing some good stuff yeah. and then well, it's, well I, I, everybody knows how i feel about pat frymouth i don't have to say that yeah but like, that's where i thought <laughs> that's where i thought you were going look okay and i reference this fun fact all the time by the time he took over the job like after Juju went down and Eric Ebron went down from that span all the way through him getting concussed in that Minnesota game or whatever, led all tight ends in the NFL in receptions, receiving yards and touchdowns in the red zone from the five, the 10 and the 20. That was Pat Fry with number one in all those categories. Just throwing that out there, guys. But in the like, red zone, uh, cause he was the guy. Yes. Like absolutely. And, th- he that's, was. He and was that's absolutely the guy. 
And and now that you've you opened the discounted. Yeah. You crack the door open and now I'm just gonna Kool-Aid man kick it down. Like, yes, honestly, like that level of like red zone production from a rookie tight end, people are really underrating that. That is like mm-hmm. super bonkers nuts how good he was. And we yeah. always talk about like early production being a really important predictive thing. And like I said, I know like red zone stuff's a little wonky. I understand Ben's not there anymore. It's fine, but like y'all. He was so good. <laughs> it's not just yeah. It's not just that he's a touchdown dependent tight end. It's that he's yeah. really good in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Is what you're, I think you showed that at Penn State too. One hundred percent, man. One. I would rather take a chance because, like, if you're looking at stuff, like tight ends or whatever, like the profiles that you're really going to be looking for anyway are going to just be like the high volume, like actually catching the ball guys, or just like the insane touchdown monsters. Those are the ones that you know the, the two that are going to do it for you. Like, Hawkinson's just in, like, a weird middle ground between the two where he kind of does a little bit of both, but not one, like, enough of one or the other to, like, make me feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Like, that's why he's frustrated. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I I think with the tight ends, right, um, especially in tight end premium, you want a guy who is separated from the rest of the guys. And uh Kittle get, gives you that or gave you that I I think he will again but gives you that we'll just say that uh mm-hmm. Kelsey definitely gives you that Andrews definitely gives you that right I just I'm not going to predict TJ Hawkinson getting into that bracket of players and pay what it takes to get him like that's it's a lot to give up for a guy um and, and project from him going as uh, in that 12 game span, him having a relatively good season to having this elite tight end season where, you know, he's doing something that we've only seen a handful of guys in the last decade do it. Uh, it's, it's, there's not very many players that do it. Tight end is a very, very, very specific, uh, ridiculously hard thing to, to top, right? It's, yep. I mean, I don't know. It's 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 just tough for me to predict that and, and pay. Yeah, pay. sometimes it's ex- it's extremely situation dependent, right? Do you remember Troy Drayton? You know, oh, wow, that's a really old reference. Do you remember Gary Barnage? Yeah, there you shout out. Yeah. yeah, what a guy. Gary Gary Barnage was the luckiest man in the NFL the year that he had all that production for Cleveland, and yes, then he, he went was. to Miami and was nothing because he really was not that talented of a player. He just was yeah. in a situation, and that's what – I mean, it can happen at, uh, across positions, but I feel like it's 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 high, it, it's like sort of a hyper-focus for tight ends. Let me let me ask you – this should be a fun exercise. Let me guys, let me ask you guys a question. I'm going to okay. go down um, – I pulled up my tight end rankings here. I'm going to go down um, from the bottom to the top and tell me at cost the players you would take over T.J. Hawkinson. Okay. Right. Zacherts. No. And this is this is this is all. all I mean, I'm going oh, at the bottom based on value. So this is so this is a t twelve team tight tight end premium super flex or something, yep. right? Yep. So let's say what I mean. What do you guys think Ertz is worth? Actually, that's a tough one. Ertz Ertz is worth a late second or two thirds. Yeah. In my so opinion. so let's let's roll with that or Hawk, who's worth a first plus. Uh, I paid a first and a late. I paid one hundred three and two ten for him. I'd in, rather roll with Ertz and figure it out because there are some really right. talented 
tight ends in college. And with that two ten, you might you might get McBride. You know what I mean? So yeah. for a third and two ten, you you get Arizona's entire tight end situation. Yeah. Um, David and Joku. Oh, God. No, I'm, I, I think he's about I'll the same Hopkins. price as Ertz, so you're looking at probably two thirds. I don't think so. I think I think Njoku's price is shot the hell I, up. I don't think I don't think anybody's since paying. he signed that since he signed that mega contract and Hooper people left, are excited. Yeah, yeah. I I think that Chad, you're not going to get him. Have you guys Have you guys seen it. him traded at all? No, I haven't. And that's not the in whole any thing. leagues. No. Because nobody's the whole it. thing. Because nobody's paying it. Because nobody, yeah, right. Because everybody who has Njoku is not trading him for a second. I pull, I pull him up. Pull him up in DTC. Let's see what. Let's see what they say about it. I will. I don't. I don't, I don't think. think I don't think second. it's going to represent his true like value yeah. to his owners. But I will. And and even then, honestly, I think in that situation, I would rather go with Hawk because like Njoku, yeah. while being very physically gifted, is extremely good in theory. I mean, you he's know, a four, like he's a four in DTC, and there's no way you're getting him for like a 25 second or two thirds. There's no way somebody's trading. Yeah, for it's yeah, not I'm, realistic. I'm not, I'm not doing that. So just yeah, I would rather just take the because, like, like I said, Injoku is good in theory. Hawkinson is good in practice. Like we already know that. Like that's a th- yeah. like taking but, okay, that's yeah, that, that, that's that large of a gamble. Though. I mean that's built into the cost though. That's why you're you're paying. Yeah, no, but I, I understand. But I'll still but take Hawk because I could be, just be throwing away assets on Injoku. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm. I'd rather have Hawk as well. Um, Cole Komet. Hey, Cole Komet, Hawk. baby. I, 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 Cole Komet could be nothing. What's what's could Komet's easily price? Be nothing. What's Komet? What's Komet's price in, in in your opinion? It's rising a little more now that I think people are really coming around to but like it the only thing that's really prevented commit from providing more value is the fact that like he scored two touchdowns in his career both of which were as a rookie (laughs) so it's like but like the target share that he was able to secure even this last year like there's enough going for him that like it's so cheap comparatively that like yeah like he he'll score he will score eventually He's a 5.1 in DC, DTC, which tells me, which is probably about right. Like, if you if you offer, like, a mid to high second for Komet, you're getting him all day. And if you do that, I think you're a little crazy, right? He's really worth, like, two-thirds or a late second. You're probably five, not getting him for two-thirds, but, like, a late second. I don't think or, 5.1 is equal to a second um, in DTCs. It's base. not. It's not. But it's 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 probably because they don't. They don't have late second, right? So, yeah. like, he's probably equal to, like, the 211. Yeah. Or yeah, a 25 right. second or something yeah. like that. You know what I mean? That sounds about right. Um, okay, so uh, this is where I start going these guys all day long for me, personally. Dawson Knox at his cost. I, I would much rather have no. Hawkinson. I'd rather I, have Hawkinson. See, I'd rather have Dawson Knox at his price. I mean, I, I think he's Doc. another late second. I think he's another late second guy. I'd I'd rather pay that than pay first plus for for Pac and I mean. I but mean, I think that's criminally undervaluing Dawson Knox at two. That's what he's going for though. That's true. That's true. At, you're saying at his current cost, so yeah, I might rather. But I don't want to go out there with Dawson Knox as my tight end. There's a very real chance we're looking at Robert Tunyon 2.0 too. Like that's kind of a 
and at least in terms of just like a harsh regression in the other direction, because like Dawson Knox is he's a very talented player that I like a lot, and like it's a, a slightly hyperbolic statement, but when you just look at the number of touchdowns that he was able to achieve versus the minuscule work share he was able to secure, it is an alarming thing. But similar yes, to but I prior think, I think they countered, look for him in the red zone. I think that's countered with the efficiency, though. His yard per catch the last three seasons is 13.86, 12, and 12, right? That's, I mean, some of the highest in the league. Damn so good for he's being hyper-efficient yeah. on every reception. Yeah, um, and that's why I'm saying he could be. Like, I still have him on plenty of teams where I feel decent about it. Like, but the the chance of that makes me a little uneasy. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think he has to cement himself in the offense, but I mean, I don't know. I, I really like him I think, as a player. I think he. I, I, I like him as a player too. I think he needs yeah, to stay I, I could go either way. Yeah, and I, I just I think he's an ascending. Dawson Knox is an ascending player. I think you're going to see him used in more than just the red zone this year. Um, yeah. They have added weapons underneath, mm-hmm. but. I like I said, I think he's an ascending player, and I think he's going to command targets underneath. I hope so. Yeah, he's so. Sick. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, what I'm getting from this then is just uh, as exercise. I just kind of wanted to see where kind of my head's at where, with with Hawkinson compared to you guys, and I guess I yeah. am slower on him uh, compared to you guys because I'd, I'd rather have these guys, these late second, uh, maybe two third fringe players, yeah. than than you know pay a pay a, a first and an early second. Which I don't even I, think, I think it would take more than that to get Hawk in most tight end premium leagues. I um, do see elite talent in Hawk. Um, I think that the catch rate is a really good point by Herms. He had a lot of drops. Um, I'm hoping a lot of that was just concentration. He had a concussion problem. You know, hopefully he clears the cobwebs and gets over that. Yeah. Um, that's really my only concern. Otherwise, I think he's one of the most talented tight ends in the NFL. You he know, has I all the he, traits. Yeah, and he can, you know, and he can also block, which keeps him on the field. So, um, hell of a player. Just crossing my fingers, I guess. You know, I don't have a ton of don't have a ton of shares like most players, but yeah. Anyway, all right. So, uh, I'm gonna call that one a tie. I kind of I kind of juked the rules, and then we had a little bit of gamesmanship at the end, so <laughs> we're calling that a tie. And I do have a I do have a question at the end, so if we are tied, so my record my record still stands. I've never lost a game on, on Dynasty uh, War Games. That's not true. That is very true. Uh, okay, uh, I'm going to look. Up, I'm going to have to look up the statistical. The, the I've never lost a game. Right look it up. Okay. Ask Mike. I, I will have to. All right, so the next game is called Who Am I? And I am going to throw out – I have five total facts about each player. And after each fact, you are buzzable, right? So I'm going to read a fact. If you know it, buzz in. If you don't know it, obviously don't buzz in. But, yeah, this is also a game where there's negative one for a wrong answer and plus one for a right answer. Right, right. so they will get progressively easier. Just progressively easier. Okay. Yes. All right. So first question: Who am I? I had more one more target in my my in my second. (laughs) I had one more target in my second year than my first, 
and had exactly the same number of catches. Oh, God. I don't know. <laughs> I was wide receiver 57 oh, in PPR wow. in each of my first two seasons. I, I played in all but one game in my first two seasons. I was drafted in the fourth round in tw- in 2020 and was number 128 overall. The In the first round? Fourth round. Fourth round. 128 overall. I have 327 yards and five touchdowns in five career playoff games. And I am a wide receiver. (laughs) Herms. I'm taking a stab. I'm probably wrong, but it sounds like Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis is the correct answer, my friend. There you go. Good job. As time rolled along, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, but that, the, the playoff stats, I was like, yeah. oh, well, there right. you nice. go. That's, yeah. why, that's why I saved that for last. Right? Yeah, that's good. I never would have gotten it. <laughs> so, I mean, I, the reason I threw this together on Gabe Davis is I'm trying to create a profile of a player that has been exactly the same for his first two years and then seemed to have broke out, broken out in a playoff game, do we believe it? Because it really means a lot to his value. It really does. I believe in him from the standpoint that, like, whenever he got the opportunity to perform in that role that he is going to fill, the nose for the end zone is just so evident. You know, it's just, it just sure. is. Yeah, he scores. And, like, in the, you know, kind of tying it back to, you know, something we were talking about a little bit earlier, like, the, the Herms candidate for best offense in the NFL, at least in terms of the high, like, the high-flying firepower, I think that's the Bills. <laughs> like, that to me, like, d- dude, like, yo. It's it's the fact that, it, and I, I cannot remember the stat, at all. I wrote this in an article a long time ago, but I remember doing the research to check it out. But like in games when either Emmanuel Sanders was out or left early, I did a dive on Gabriel Davis's performance and I was just like, yo, <laughs> like this right. guy, like it, he's a spark plug to that offense. And like it's it's a small sample size, sure, don't get me wrong, but even just from like an anecdotal standpoint of watching the bills when that happens, there is a dimension that he adds that is just like so good that like, I I can't get past what some of the like actual statistical evidence, but also just like the anecdotal eye evidence that like I see with my face (laughs) on the television is telling me. So it's like, I'm not trying to get too excited about it because the last thing I want to do is contribute to the hype that gives him the helium that makes him just completely out of proportion and just everything's messed up forever value-wise with him. But I'm on that train. I get it. It makes sense. It's also kind of the reason, like, and even then my hesitancy about my criticism of Dawson Knox was for the same reason, because even then, like, but the offense is so good. But but define, (laughs) define you're on that train. 
where do you think Gabe Davis, like what's his ceiling and where, what's his likely outcome to you? Is he a wide receiver? One? I don't think so. Unless it was some sort of ridiculous touchdown output that just, you know, moseys him in there somehow. But like what I think he could do is kind of like, if you told me that, Gabe Davis could perform at a level akin to what we've seen from DJ Moore at times. I don't think that would be ridiculous. Okay, cool. Different player, different, different type of production. production. Oh, oh for, for sure. I just mean like raw, like, like numbers. points and stuff. Yeah. Points. Yeah. That's raw all points. Saying. Yeah. Cause DJ Moore is going to get his numbers from catches and, and Gabe Davis is going to yes. get oh, his numbers oh. from touchdowns. Absolutely. Just point total type stuff. Like that's gotcha. what I'm talking about. So gotcha. Jesse, I'm, okay. I'm sure you'll remember this, but. Um, it was, uh, not too long ago, Gabe Davis was my number one owned player, uh, because he was going in the fifth round of rookie drafts, right? late fourth round of rookie drafts, um, very easily acquired. I remember, um, um, Daniel Jeremiah talking him up all off season and and I loved Daniel Jeremiah and he, he kept bringing up a really good point that. Nobody else on that Bills offense can do what Gabe Davis does. Nobody has dive. Nobody has his skill set. They brought him there for a reason. Right? There's like, a lot of there, there's there are very few players in the NFL that have his skill set. First yeah. of all, it is size. But they but they all on. of their receivers were small, and and he's a big guy. Yeah. So that was another that was another thing going for him where he's going to see two, the Yeah, because he's just big, and and they don't have that on their roster. So there's nobody. And he, really and he runs a four flat. Yeah, you know? so there's nobody competing for that spot that he has, right? He's going to see the field, ignore the draft position, um, take him uh, late, and, and give him a shot. So that was my that was my go-to. Mm-hmm. Once he hit that, um, at, shortly after that playoff uh, performance where his value started being really touted and, and everybody started you know writing articles and stuff like that, um, that was the sell window for me. That was the sell window. I, I sold him on every single roster I had. I got a few early seconds for him. Got a few mid seconds for him. Um, I'm 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 completely out on him now. I, I don't. I think with the I think with the draft value. Um, I just I, I have trouble looking at him now and saying okay, we see a player about to say that. Who's, who's who's hyper who, who's hyper uh, um, efficient. Um, he gets a good amount of snap percentage, right? Well, he mm. sees the field a decent amount. And uh, his touchdown record is, like you were saying, is phenomenal. I just got the skill set to repeat it. He does. And, and he's repeated and he the season repeated two it. years in a row. Right. Yes, and, and, and now he's it. got – and now he's – I mean, Emmanuel Sanders started the year last year in his position, right? And now he's taken over that position. Emmanuel Sanders obviously broke down, like looked great. Yeah. yeah, but but he took over that position. So I mean, it's it's all of the players that he, they brought in in the offseason are all underneath players, right? Nobody else is a downfield player yeah. besides Gabe mm-hmm. Davis. Yep. Stefan Diggs has the speed to get downfield, but it's not really his game, right? So uh, I mean, he can get open, he, like he can get open on a deep post. I mean, all day, Diggs is a pretty not complete a wide receiver. Guy. He he can he can do anything. Well, that's true. That's that's true. Diggs is one of those guys. I mean, like he gets separation in his sleep. And he's right? a Maryland guy, so obviously that means yeah. he's great. <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he's great by default. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, 
so what here's how I see Gabe Davis. Six two two ten runs a four four flat, right? And is exactly a perfect fit for um his quarterback. Right? He's he's he he tracks the ball well. He could he can definitely catch the deep ball. Josh Allen has a, a you know the probably the strongest arm in the NFL. So like I I, I think they felt great together. I yeah. don't ever think that he's going to be a wide receiver one because he just doesn't do the other things. Yeah. Right? So where where I was going with my initial point was that. Oh, I'm sorry, I, Chad. I didn't I'm, mean to cut you off. That's all, it's it's all right, man. It happens. We're we're just talking yeah. football here. So right uh, so. When when I'm trading him for early second, right? I'm I'm predicting I'm pretty much betting my I'm placing my hedges and betting against him, right? And saying that he can't he can't come higher than that that early second round value. Um and I just call. I still I still find that to be true. I think he would That's have to he would have to uh to He's keep never that gonna consistency. be an he would have to keep that consistency and be a very good consistent wide receiver 16 17 kind of guy and i think that's his ceiling um i i just agreed i don't i don't see a guy that's going to get you know 120 targets a year. i mean 120 receptions a year however I, I see a guy that's going to get 60 70 maybe 80 receptions on on a really really good year and do some really good things with it but he's not he's going to be a flex guy he's not going to be a guy you're sticking in your wide receiver 1 2 uh, slot and saying, okay, I'm right. rolling out with this guy. He's going to win me a league. Right. I just, his, ceil- I, his ceiling is that Wolf Will Fuller year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one Will Fuller year where he was healthy for most of it. Like, that's his ceiling. Or that Robbie Anderson year. Like, do you guys ever see him getting getting the production to be even talked about as a, as a first round, as a player you're trading a first round pick for? Although I will say uh, just well, a couple things. Like one, uh, from the standpoint of just like flipping him for that cost now, like just eat, it's it's a it's a financially well quote unquote financially financially prudent thing to do just based off of like the return on investment of the initial investment cost. Like you you take that stuff every day. It makes sense to flip it over and turn it over for that. But I do have a more apt like somewhat player-ish type comparison because like mm-hmm. my my DJ more comparison was more again just like very like. The yeah, points point that based. they provide you, production based, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, from a more a more specific standpoint, I ask you both this: Could he be Brandon Cooks? No, I do. I do I, not believe he could be Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is a complete wide receiver, and I do not think that Gabe Davis is. But we were just talking about a player that may only end up catching a certain amount of those passes, you know, between like the, you know, like the 60-ish to 80-ish or whatever and doing the whole thing or whatever. But like, but those are the types of players that, especially in Dynasty, like they get slept on all the time. But then you think at the back of your mind, well, damn, if I just had one of those guys on my team, oh, well, I'm going to have to go out and find one. Eventually, at some point in your, like, because in the process of building your team or whatever, like, regardless, like, from like rebuild to contention or whatever, there's a point in your team building process that you look for those ancillary pieces. And then you're just like, God, why don't I have any of these guys? Yeah, yeah. No, like, I, I, I completely agree with you. I was, I was going to say, I think that's his ceiling. I think Brandon cooks, that's a perfect, mm. I mean, I don't think you can get a more perfect example of, of what his ceiling could be. Brandon cooks is that exact player. I disagree. I think that skill sets are different. And 
I'm going to read you Brandon Cook's finishes in PPR. 13-9-15-13. I'm going to skip the year that he had the concussion, 16. I, I don't think that Gabe Davis has that ceiling. Well, that's what I was just saying. I think that's a ceiling. I think his ceiling is... I don't think it is that high. 15-16. Um, 13-9-15-13. right, and let's go standard. 12 8 7 14 15 well yeah but that's 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 purely based on um on efficiency numbers and that's what Gabe Davis has in bunches and the good okay, news but... is that Gabe Davis can offset some of that stuff that you may be concerned about with the fact that in the touchdown category with Josh Allen in the Buffalo offense you could maybe feel a little bit better about that production being slightly higher so in the aggregate it essentially works out to a similar level of point production anyhow like my problem with that is that I feel like uh, Brandon Cooks has done this over an extended period of time with numerous teams by being not, no, nobody's by being a complete, Cooks. I thought you just said that. No, we're saying that's his ceiling. Like that's the absolute best he can be. So he might have one right. Brandon Cooks season. No, I'm not even saying, saying he'll ever have a Brandon Cooks year. I'm saying if everything goes right, if he is the absolute yeah, best the, player he could possibly be. And his, in the yeah. and and he gets the opportunity in that offense, and they say, okay, we're we we believe in this guy. We're going to make him our wide receiver one two, uh, kind of player. And Josh Allen is is still throwing like a madman and MVP candidate. He can be a Brandon Cooks kind of player. Right? Theoretically, Josh Allen is the type of quarterback that could support two extremely viable fantasy wide receivers. Yeah, I believe sure. they sure, but not. One of them, Gabe Davis is not going to be wide receiver nine, right? So I believe that if there could be a season where Gabe Davis is one of, is is that player, right? Where everybody else gets hurt and they just hyper target him, fine. Hmm? But I just don't think that that is who he is, right? I don't, I don't think he's the caliber of Brandon Cooks and I don't think he'll put up the production that Brandon Cooks, like it's, it's really hard. To put up the consistent, the consistent numbers oh, yeah, for, that Brandon for sure. Cooks has yeah. for so long, that is, a, he's a much better wide receiver, and I feel that that's the reason he's put up those numbers over. Like, I just don't think that Gabe Davis will. So maybe that's his. Maybe maybe you guys call that his ceiling, but I don't think it's a realistic ceiling. No, I mean, so I, I think we're, I understand we're speaking, what you're saying, Chad. I just don't see here. it as realistic. Like, I, I, we're kind of saying, saying the same thing, right? Like <laughs> when just... you're saying realistic, I'm not saying that I would put I would put money on Gabe Davis being Brandon Cooks. I I'm not that. saying that I would give him a 20 percent chance of being Brandon Cooks. I'm saying that if one percent right, the yeah, his absolute best outcome is a guy like Brandon Cooks, where you okay. see him as a perennial mid wide receiver two that is going to put up very efficient numbers, uh, put up very good touchdown numbers, uh, which Brandon Cooks did earlier in his career. I don't think he's done that as of late. but uh, and, and just be a sound guy that you slot into your wide receiver two, wide receiver three slot and feel okay with. Yeah, that's the extreme ceiling for him. I don't think yeah. he'll ever reach it. I just don't think he has the skill set to reach it. That's my whole point on him. So my whole point is that I think he has the skill set to – he's going to be really boomer bust, and if he's not what we think he is, he could absolutely be wide receiver 57 again, right? Or he could take that leap and jump up into, like, top 20. But For sure. 
Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it goes. The yeah. the interesting thing with guys like Brandon Cooks is that you can't really look at their targets. Uh, I mean, you can't really look at their their number of receptions that they have and predict the outcome of their season because they can have a uh, 68, 69 reception season, just throwing a random number out there, and then have an 85 reception uh, season, which is still all relatively low, right? Mid-tier kind of reception numbers. And put up, you know, fairly close to wide receiver one kind of seasons. And I just see that as if 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 uh, I see he's going to find success, that's where he's going to find it. Yeah, that's a good point. All in all, I think people are maybe hoping that he could reach like a, kind of around what we were expecting maybe for Michael Gallup. Somebody somebody just act, activated my Siri, by the way. Oh, nice. <laughs> when he guys sounds like me. All right, cool. So one point to Herms after yeah. all that. <laughs> Next player. Yeah, that was fairly impressive, man. I never would have guessed that in a million years. All right. All right. Next player. Um, see, remember the theme. All right. I have had at least 100 targets, 59 catches, and 850 yards in each of my first two seasons. Say that one more time. I have had at least 100 targets, 59 catches, and 850 yards in each of my first two seasons. Okay. I have played in all but two games in my first two seasons. I fell from a wide receiver two in my first season to a wide receiver four in fantasy in my second season. Hmm? Oh, Herms. Is 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 this LaVisca Chenault? And the score is tied because it is not LaVisca Chenault. No! That guy's never put up close to those numbers. It was it was a gamble, I will admit. <laughs> so okay, so read read the last two uh hints again. The last two. Oh, yeah. No. Wow. Okay. You can just read them you can just read them quick. I played in all but two games in my first two seasons. I fell I fell from a wide receiver two in my first two season in my first season to a wide receiver four in fantasy in my second season. And Chad, you get to hear the next clue before you have to answer. I had eleven touchdowns my first year and fell to second. Oh, I'm sorry, fell to two in my second. And you don't even have to answer now if you don't want to. Oh, God. oh Herms is killing himself. Oh, no. I'm Chad, idiot. do you want to answer? You don't have to. Mm. All right. Cute. I have the same last name as a legendary bass player and front man. What? Legendary bass player and front man? Yep. Legendary. Concentrate on the last one. I had 11 touchdowns my first year and fell to two in my second. Chad, give me an answer. Or you can pass and take a zero. Mm. Incorrect answer is worth minus one. Yeah, uh, I'm going to pass. Wow. Herms, for half point, do you know the answer? Well, you didn't tell me that if I pass, he's going to get the chance at a half point. Okay, Herms, do you just know the answer? 
I would rather place. just get into the discussion. I mean, it's just like it's, you know who it is. I feel like it? such a dumb dumb man. Like this is it's bad. Chad, I can't believe you got this. Who Herms? is it? Just say it. I feel too dumb. It's it's, <laughs> it's Mr. Chase Claypool. It's like you oh. know. I feel so stupid. <laughs> I should easily have known. I mean, I gave you all his his. You're statistics. a Steelers. I know. Man didn't get Chase Claypool. That's why I feel so stupid. I'm just like it was right there. <laughs> oh. oh no! It really oh. was right there. I mean, I honestly yeah. don't even think of Chase Claypool as an NFL player. Like he's just never what? in my head. So I don't know. Like Chase Claypool is just never a guy I think about. So I'm like yeah. thinking. I'm trying to think of all these young players, and I swear Chase Claypool just never entered my mind. Why did wide receiver 37 last year? He's definitely he's better than Hollywood Brown statistically and and points wise. You know what I mean? Like he's a better player. This is why I put him on here. Like because he was so good his first year, his second year got thrown in the trash. And he still had 59 catches and 850 yards. He just only had two touchdowns instead of 11. And two of those, the first year, were rushing. Mm-hmm. D- so, you know, those, those sweeps they did around the goal line to get yeah. – like, I was really hoping they were going to manufacture more of that work for him because the physical mismatch that he presents, like, yeah. he was so, so good. Like, he is such a fuck. I'm going to shut up. I, I, I have so many things no, I can say up. about Chase. <laughs> Please say. <laughs> Uh, wait, before but before that, Chad, do you not, not know who Primus is? No, I don't know who that is. You never heard of Primus or, or Les Claypool? Good old Les Claypool, dude. No. Nope. Okay, man, I, I, then I'm doing you a favor. When we're done this podcast, just put that on before you go to bed, man. That is really good music. Jerry was a race car driver, man. That's, that's Hell yeah. <laughs> that's all you need. That's, that's some 90s gold right there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he's like... When you when you talk about like bass players, he's like Flea, you know what I mean? Except that he was the front man. He's the only name another bass player that was the front man of his band. Lemmy you know? Kilmister, R.I.P. Okay, but there are very few. I mean, the very few. Very, you know, few. like it's, yeah. well, at least at least like notable ones. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, right. Be a legendary bass player front man. It's a very short list. It's an extremely short list. Yeah. Uh-oh. All right. Yeah, so, so now the, the now. problem with the problem with Claypool is that you know the the hype for him got fairly fairly loud. Uh, yeah, it got out of control. Really. Yeah, after that first year, and I think you know that also what he did it always goes around to hurt somebody if they don't you know if they don't feed that that reactionary uh, hype. You know, so he's he's kind of just fallen off because everybody said, "All right, he didn't do it this season. It, he's done. He'll never do it." And then I guess it just doesn't hurt that. I mean, it doesn't help that Deontay Johnson's there eating up every target in the world. Well, and but well, but my whole point with this though is that he didn't drop in targets or catches or yardage. It was the touchdowns. only touchdowns. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, if you're if you were buying him at that hyped cost, you were thinking, okay, he takes a step forward. Okay, so but it's not, his quarterback it's not didn't allow him to do that. But yeah, no, but that's not that's that's beside the point, right? Like, it's not about can we find excuses why he didn't do it? It's he okay. didn't do it, right? Like, he didn't take the step forward. Okay, but I don't, I don't think that way. No, but that's – I mean, that's just a, a common practice in the in the world of dynasty. Sure, you're right. Football, you're right? exactly right, and that's why he's lost value. You're exactly right. 
and like I just and then look, sometimes I don't always have the greatest takes in the world. Sometimes people, you know, don't always agree with what Herms has to say. But I will tell you what: when it comes to one thing and one thing only, I'm pretty consistent and usually pretty accurate. And I'll tell you what: that's with the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> and well. the thing about Chase Claypool is that a lot of people got wrong. Well, first and foremost, just like side notes, like the vast underestimation of Deontay Johnson perpetually frustrates me and people are only now kind of starting to come around. Thank God. But at least as far as like this idea that he was able to possibly take a step forward that people had in their minds schematically within that offensive system. I mean, it was not possible. Like I've, I've watched the team and like, yes, I understand, you know, different offensive coordinators throughout the course of my life or whatever. Yes. Things have changed, but like, at least insofar as like, like the Steelers hire the same types of people to accomplish the same types of things. Generally, right. like the overall yes. philosophy largely remains the same. Absolutely. More and, than, more than any other franchise, except for maybe the Patriots, but yeah. more than any other franchise. Yeah. Yes. So, like, for Claypool to be able to take a dramatic step forward was, was never really within the realm of possibility because he is in kind of just like the we'll flex you around the other side of the field while we let the guy that we pick to be out there kind of on the, you know, the island doing his thing or whatever, like, let them dominate. Like, that's what Deontay right. Johnson did. That's what Antonio Brown did for so long. Absolutely. Yeah, that that and that's actually absolutely a Mike Tomlin yeah. thing. He's a yeah. he's a my guy kind of guy. We they do the same thing with running backs. Exactly, as far as the running back, and, and that's also the, the for you dynasty folks out there. If you're wondering who the person behind Najee is that you care about, the answer is none of them. Um, so uh, <laughs> just saying, but like when it comes to the wide receivers in Pittsburgh, like they dub the slightly smaller, but still just like super efficient creating space doing their thing guy and they will pepper that guy with all the targets in the world and for what like whatever is left is left for the ancillary piece that they rotate in and out to be able to do different stuff creatively and that's what juju did for a really long time opposite of antonio brown and led to his success juju's falling off is a completely different story that would be a whole other 15 minute thing but my point with (laughs) claypool is really just like i understand it it's he is. He was a fetch player, and by fetch, anybody you know, it's a term that I use on my podcast all the time. Shout out the movie Mean Girls. Like we can't just make fetch happen. Like there are, you know, like wait, 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 explain. So like, uh, it's it's uh throughout the course of the movie, the Mean Girls, and the uh, the one character Gretchen is trying to have the word fetch catch on. She'll just like throughout the oh, movie, like, oh, oh did you no just fetch. make that up? No, no, that's it, it's it's is a very it, famous like, thing like, from the movie. He'll have a sketch like that too. Yeah. So it's like, you know, throughout the whole movie, she's just like, oh, my God, that's so fetch. And then there's one part where uh, Rachel McAdams' character is just like, <laughs> like stop saying fetch. You're not gonna, it's like, it's not going to happen. Like, you can say something however many times you want, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. And, like, those types of players are so frustrating to me. And now that he's really fallen out of favor to the degree of just like – and, like, following the team, any, if you're, anybody who wants great insight into the Steelers, the, the beat – is very well covered. I really like what the Pittsburgh Post Gazette does. Uh, Mark Caballi at the Athletic does a really good job as well. But the, just fun fact: if you want to research that stuff and get really good insight on the team, that's how you can do that. 
But like Claypool just like being a doofus at practice and doing some stuff. And even on field, we would see some of the antics. And like those are things that are not really tolerated in a Tomlin environment. And now we see the team backfill at talent investing in George Pickens and also like low key Calvin Austin guys do not sleep on that. I'm just saying there's a more than realistic chance year one. He may be in the Ray Ray McLeod type mold, but as time evolves, who knows if he could eventually maybe, 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 maybe be the Deontay Johnson replacement, but beside the point back to real quick, real quick. Yes. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you return to your rant, but (laughs) that that was very Kanye of you just now. Chad's (laughs) Chad's got to go. Oh no! Uh, yeah, so uh, we're we're running long. Herms, if you want to stay with me, we're gonna keep going. I I am down. I feel bad for play talking. This last so game. We're gonna we're gonna no, finish no, this no. game. We, me and you. That's what we need, man. We, and then we we're gonna play the next game. Yeah, so, up, but it, uh, real life calls for Chad. So we yeah. gotta let him go. It's been an hour and a half anyway. So Chad, talk yeah. to me. So um, yes, time zones suck. You know, when you work with people in other countries and stuff, you know, they work when you're supposed to be sleeping, which uh, is horrible. Yeah. So now I have to work and it's uh, almost 11 o'clock at night. But anyways, uh, I, Herm, it was awesome having you on, man. I, I really appreciate you coming on here and, and being a good guest. Uh, no, thank thank you so much for having me, man. Of course. Of course. Um, and yeah, I look forward to uh, listening to the rest of this podcast after it's uh, up and, and running and checking out what you guys chat about here so well ed chad just so you know you are forfeiting Herman's yes yeah I'll, I'll take the l i'll take the l um <laughs> <laughs> when we have a winner that is not chad mendoza it's and the I, filibuster that's yeah. how you do <laughs> and we do know that if chad drops uh the stream continues we, we we've encountered this before so we'll be fine yes okay. all right so, all right, guys. Well, yeah, I take care of your business. Here. Take care of your family, my friend. And we will see you next week. All right. Later, everyone. Later, man. All right. So um, did you want to finish that Steelers rant or did we want to move on? It was like, right. It's like the what it what I'm really leading to is that for next year, I'm not afraid of anything that could happen in terms of like, oh, well, Pickens could come in immediately and do some like. I expect a reasonably similar level-ish of production from Chase Claypool. We'll see what happens in the touchdown department, but what I'm really terrified of is 2024 and forward. No, 2023 and forward. Right. That's where I start to get panicked. I think for this year, dynasty managers have enough time to figure some stuff out and maybe hold on, but uh, that potato is starting to get a little hot in your hands. Like <laughs> Some moves have to be made. I will tell you this about Clay, Chase Claypool, all right, and you hear, heard it here first. That man is Vincent Jackson. Do you, are you old enough to remember him? Absolutely, yeah. As a prospect, Vincent Jackson was one of the greatest of all time and came in to the NFL and was kind of a diva, right? And But he performed, and he had a run of, I think it was four or five, consistent wide receiver one in fantasy. And I was a redraft player at that time. And, but Vincent play Vincent Jackson was that guy that you could take every year. And Chase Claypool is every bit as talented as him. He just has to improve his football IQ. He's got, he's raw. 
right? He's got to learn the savvy. Like Vincent Jackson knew how to out physical guys and use his, his athleticism. Claypool has an idea of it, but he has to refine it. I, I truly believe that he was so limited by Ben last year. Like, I mean, it's, it's just one of the most obvious things in the NFL last year was that Ben couldn't throw more than seven yards, you know, and it had no yeah. zip on it when he did. <laughs> oh, like, all he boy. could do is dump off to, to Najee and Deontay, right? Deontay can get open underneath, right? Absolutely. Chase Claypool cannot. That's not his game. He gets open deep, right? It just, I mean, Kenny Pickett is not exactly the the quarterback that you want to pair with a player like him, but he's going to at least be competent, right? Yeah. And and Troubs, the Troubadour, actually has a strong arm. And there's a chance that that guy is your answer. And, you know, Kenny Pickett never really even, well, he's going to get the chance because of the draft capital. But, like, if Trubisky comes out next year and is just the man, it could happen. Like, it's not it's not out of the question. It's not, and the thing that... And, and he has the skill set that matches Claypool. Not only that, but, like, at least as far as, like, that point goes, the bye week is late enough in the season that, like, Trubisky has a runway that if right. he can take off... Right, there would be not much of a re- like. I, no, the caveat there's there not being, a natural break point week five. This guy's struggling, and we're bringing in the rookie. yeah. It's it's late enough that if the the runway is long enough that if he takes off, he takes off. The caveat being like if by the end of the year, like there's no playoff contention, yeah, then you a, just, you, you throw in Pickett because you just want to see the kid. But a real chance that Pickett doesn't play this year. I mean, the Steelers are an organization with a lot of pride and. They're, they're mm-hmm. certainly not going to play someone that doesn't give them the best chance to win, right? They're not going to put on a quarterback just because they want to get him time. That's yeah. not – they want to make the playoffs at all costs. Yeah. So, like, the the biggest – like, this, the scenario in which Kenny Pickett reaches the field and Trubisky's really good is week 18. Like, that is – in this specific scenario, that is when he sees the field. Right. But, like – you know, and and I honestly like at this point, like I'm still unsure. It's all, as to how this it's all on the table. Out, I mean, like, of course, Trubisky, Trubisky could absolutely come out and be terrible and get and and get replaced at halftime of week one. Yeah. And then, also, but I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. There's also a realistic chance that Kenny Pickett wins the job outright in camp. And another thing that's really important, yeah, for people sure to, too. Uh, yeah, because like an important thing for people to keep in mind is that a lot of the money that Trubisky and you you have to, everybody has to do this with all NFL contracts. You have to look under the hood and see where the money really comes from. Right. A lot of stuff is incentive laden. Like they're not actually paying him that much money, you know. So like it would not be a massive waste of funds to have Trubisky as the backup if Kenny Pickett wins the job. So and, it's like and if you're Tomlin, like he's a very emotional guy. So who's to say that the emotion of the hometown guy, the guy that just played at Pitt, played in that stadium, mm-hmm. isn't the right guy to lead your team in Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Like that's that's kind of a coach thing in a way. You know, it's kind of the way that coaches think and, and emotions do, um, do get involved, you know, that's what is human beings, man. It's human beings coaching other human beings. Like, yeah, 
That's I hear on other podcasts that like they always like, well, if you if you if you consider that it's going to be rational coaching, then this is what will happen. But that never happens. There's never rational coaching because they're all well, not Tomlin, but all of the other coaches in the NFL, except for like Andy Reid and a couple others are coaching for their jobs. Right. So they do crazy shit that they think is going to save their job. They don't care about the players. Look at Matt Rule. I mean, that's an example yes, of like, absolutely. you know, we like to tell ourselves, oh, well, rationally, it's like, well, this dude ain't out here thinking rationally. He, ins- <laughs> he insisted the year that they gave um, uh, Robbie Anderson all that money that he was going to be a thing. Right? He was Robbie Anderson guy, had 1,100 yards. <laughs> Yeah, because it was like you know, like you know, coaching him at Temple. He was my guy. Yeah, so, like, exactly. Yeah, Insisted like, that 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 he's better than like he didn't say it, but his actions insisted that he, uh, he, this is my guy over DJ Moore. And then last year, what happened? His talent showed you that he can't continue to do that and keep yeah. his job. When a coach, right? wink, yeah, when a coach gives the old wink and nod to homerism, and then it doesn't work yeah. out, you know, it's just like you screw yourself into a corner you can't get out of, and that's why they're there now. Well, Absolutely. one of the reasons. That's not the only. <laughs> that's not the only reason they're there. But like, but yeah. So all in all, it, to, to steer it back to Claypool Land, <laughs> like it's, yeah, yeah, it's. Uh, Dynasty managers have a little bit more time to figure it out than they think they do. I think people that are expecting a big pickings thing right away, I wouldn't anticipate that. But when when you start to feel the heat a little bit more ramping up, you're going to have to make some tough calls. And frankly, even as a Steelers fan that has pretty decent insight into the team, I don't know what to tell anybody to do. Deontay Johnson's not even going to be on the team next year. I hope not, but I think you're right. It's not going to happen. Who have you guys given a second contract at wide receiver besides Antonio Brown? It's been a while. I don't remember one. I mean, I can I can name seven that you haven't. Yeah, Manny Sanders out the window. I mean, Mike Wallace out the window. You know, just a bunch of Plaxico. Plaxico out the window. Yeah, like this Uh, happens, man. Like it's it's frustrating, (laughs) but it's true. Santana Moss. Was it? Did he start in Pittsburgh? Santonio Holmes. That is Santonio Holmes. Yes. Yes, but still, I mean, that guy's the wide receiver one. You were like later at the oh, I, that Super Bowl catch. Just mm. Hines. Oh. I think. Oh. I think uh, Hines. You Love me some Hines Ward. Yeah, yeah. I think you gave Hines Ward a yeah. second contract. It's a. It's a very. But small it wasn't a big list. one. No, because he was he was a Pittsburgh guy. He was never going anywhere yeah. else. And anyway. then. And then I, I guess technically speaking, well, not technically, could it, it literally happened. Juju, it was a one year deal, but we did. So you know, nah, it, I don't count it. <laughs> but it was a, <laughs> it was a second deal. You didn't give him a real second contract. That's they gave true. Him that's a, true. They that's gave true. him a prove it yeah. second contract. So like, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a short list. It is a short yeah. list. One of the things that kind of alarms me about that is at least like just schematically like i worry about a a pickens claypool as your two pillars but that's but well that's also kind of why the undertone point i'm making about calvin austin i want people to remember but like and even, well, even then they could double dip into the pool in the draft next year who knows but you know. i think calvin austin could be a, a tremendous asset to the steelers i don't ever see him being a, a viable fantasy player i think neither do him, i i see him more yeah. of a like a quez yeah. Watkins, jalen guyton 
You so, know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. The the chance that I'm alluding to is like less than five percent. Realistically, yeah. like I said before, like losing Ray Ray McLeod, it's nice that we have Calvin Austin to come in and do that. Exactly. Ray Ray like, McLeod was very valuable to the Steelers, but yes. you know, he's at the bottom of a deep dynasty roster. Absolutely. Absolutely for sure. It's it's just the case that like tack him on the end of your bench. Like don't yeah, let it yeah. be one of those things Absolutely. where like you go too hyper insane about it because like that would be malpractice on my part. But like that sliver of hope is the reason why he needs to be on your bench. All right. least. You got your kazoo ready, right? We're gonna finish these games. All right, just for the fun of it, right? Because yeah. there's a lot of fun content in here. I gotta test my knowledge anyway. I mean, this is still this is still good. All right, I have been an RB2 in each of my first two seasons. I've played in 13 games in each of my first two seasons. I've had over 100 carries and 50 targets in each of my first two seasons. I've never had a thousand yard combined. I've never had a thousand combined yardage season. Even though I've been an RB2 in each of my first two seasons. Come on, man. This is a short list. I know, but (laughs) I am currently RB3 in Dynasty on Fantasy Pros. I guess it's this like, is like a two-player list. This is a one-player list. So I this is a one-player list, Herms. I, it's, we're talking. We're talking DeAndre Swift. That's yes, the thing. So, like when so did you a, get it? When did you get it? You didn't blow your kazoo. I know, but it's just like, and it, it we did partially have that conversation earlier, and it, just, yeah. it for some reason it just didn't ring in my head because I was like, it freak you out that he's never had a thousand-yard season. It does to some degree, but you know, even like, though he's been an RB two twice, yeah, and and it's in the unique circumstances is kind of like well that and also we did talk about it earlier. So for some reason, like the fact that it wasn't fresh in my brain was weird. I have no idea how I didn't immediately get that, but like I will give him somewhat of a pass for the first season because like that three headed monster. <laughs> that he immediately walked into mm. was so weird and so annoying <laughs> that like it, that's it's fine whatever this past year with the Detroit offense being just like a tale of two entities mixed with a owie I'm missing a bunch of games at the end of the year yeah. like because the circumstances that held him back in year one are obviously gone away because that that staff got completely ousted. And then the in this fact year that they just kept insisting that Jamal Williams is as good as him and giving him the same number of touches, even though he outproduced him on those touches every freaking week just drove me nuts. And the, the thing about that that I routinely have been bringing up lately when discussing Swift specifically, and even just like the Lions offense, because I'm on Ray St. Brown's always topical. So I talk about, we talk about the Lions offense a lot, at least as it pertains to the running back room. The influence of Anthony Lynn was very evident. There's a very, that's a hallmark of an Anthony Lynn offense. Mm-hmm. But now that he's Kyle Shanahan's problem out in San Francisco. Oh, did he now. leave? Yeah. He, yeah. So he's the assistant oh, head coach. God. And yeah, he's the assistant head coach. I'll tell you what, Anthony Lynn is, is he, he's low key 
uh, freaking horrible for fantasy. I mean, he just does not like to focus on a player. It's fun if you're looking for affordable value at certain things, but if you're looking for elite assets, you're not going to find it in the late offense. And that is frustrating, yes. I was so happy he left the Chargers because, God, Mike Williams is elite. He's an elite athlete. Use him. 100%, man. And, like, as soon as he left, I was all over Mike Williams. Oh, yeah, dude, totally. So and so the thing about Swift and that being so bizarre is like because like the year one like it, again like that regime with like the Patricia like lameness like thank God we never have to deal with that again this past year the Anthony Lynn lameness thank yeah, God yeah. we never have to deal with that again God, so Patricia like oh, it's, what a nightmare so like the good news is that like the whole opportunity for the entire team is just shattered wide open but like we don't really know what the Dan Campbell offense quote unquote necessarily is. Right. But we did get glimpses of that when well, Lynn was kind of caps. We know that. But that and they they wipe <laughs> their own asses. We have those two things. Right. But like so, like as Lynn kind of got phased out, and I can't remember the name of uh, this person right now, but uh, Campbell gave him more responsibilities, and this person whose name I can't remember is now the offensive coordinator. Okay. So what we kind I'm of not, saw. I, I'm, I'm not able to fill in that blank. I'm sorry. So hey, listeners, viewers, use the Google machine or whatever search engine. Yeah, keep talking. I'm going to yeah. do it. Yeah. So, like, that is probably greater evidence of the type of offense that we will see moving forward. I would feel a little bit better about Swift's opportunity. And, frankly, I'm going to St. Brown's opportunity. <laughs> but this is about Swift. Mm-hmm. As we move forward, because... Ben I, Johnson is the man's name. There you go. So, like, and if, if, I, if I have that wrong, people fact-check me, at me on Twitter, at Harms NFL, whatever. Like... I have to give Swift somewhat of a mulligan because the health concerns are real, but at least in terms of the other factors that made it frustrating, that's beyond his control. Like that's just, that's just how that is. Like he, he's given a responsibility and he's asked to do certain tasks. That is what that is. And when people, and that's one of the really frustrating things about like, and don't get me wrong, like data and analytics are things that I'm very fascinated by. Like I use them in my brain in the mixing bowl of things that I eventually spew out in terms of my opinions. But like people who solely rely on all of that stuff, like when, you know, looking at certain, like it, it's something referred to as selection bias, where like looking only like at the pool of previous data you are unable to account for future outcomes and those certain changes in personnel, whether on a coaching level or a player personnel level, like if, if your formulated opinion cannot account for those changes, then you're going to get yourself stuck in a, a retroactive echo chamber of weirdness. So I don't know if that even made any sense, but my point is like the concerns have to be big. Okay, well, so you know, I I say weird shit, and it is what it is. But like, no, that's great, man. Yeah. I, you lost me. Hopefully, you didn't lose anybody else. Yeah, hopefully, but like, so just like all in all, what I'm saying is like, it's important to look to the past for certain points that you want to look for, and like, see if a player can reach certain benchmarks. But to consider the circumstances that may have created those less than ideal totals that you're looking at, like. If you don't factor those out and understand there's room for objective optimism in the future now that those things that 
drag this player down have evaporated, you will have a greater chance of being able to hit on breakouts. But and that's why I feel very confident in DeAndre Swift. I just right do. Like I I'm willing to wait the frustrating nature of those first two years just being like and and you know, like we just got finished talking about well, no rational coaching I, and like, there's no I, such thing, but like some I, of those instances. Can I boil, are, it, can I boil it down for you? Sure. Do you mind? Mm-hmm. Love me some DeAndre Swift. Best days are ahead. They are. They just are. Extremely talented player that hopefully is going to get better usage. All we can do is cross our fingers, but extremely talented player. I would say one of one of the top 10 most talented running backs in the NFL and younger than most of the guys ahead of him. And those who forget, I invite you to, if you don't even want to watch, you know, some, you know, highlights of his days in the NFL, go back and watch this man at Georgia and tell me this is not a stud. He was just, you know, like he's still very much that player. He is still very much that player. And And if I get 13, if I get the right 13 games out of him every year, I'm happy because, because it's a running back. Right. All right. Yeah. So, uh, we had one more game, and you are, right. are 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 you good? Are you good to stay with me? All right, cool. We're gonna run through the DTC trade game, and I right. actually I actually DM'd Izzy Alcafas of Dynasty Trade Calculator. Uh, I'm kind of a small fry, so I haven't gotten a response yet. But I did ask him if it was okay to use Dynasty Trade Calculator values on this podcast so i mean it's all going to be positive like we're like you know we're using dynasty trade calculator as our basis because on this podcast we talk about it a lot yeah and we all use it for our teams i have a subscription yeah i mean it's right on it's a good service yeah it is i'm not saying it's the be all end all i don't agree with all of their values but it's a great basis it really is like they they nail a lot of things right All of the trade calculators on the internet, like I, I like theirs and I like DLF. Like they, they're both yeah. really, really awesome. Agreed, so. agreed. All right, so well, DLF, I think um, they're the ones that uh, I think they overvalue rookies a little much for me. But right. anyway, although I will say, if you're looking for any sort of fantasy tool, I definitely recommend Fantasy Pros. Hi, I'm a company man. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say Fantasy Pros is kind of my default on a lot of. Things. Big fan. Hey, hey, hey. It's a good site. It's a good site. <laughs> All right. So you're going to play this game against me. Yes. Since Chad's gone, uh, you're going to get it right or you're, you're going to get it wrong. If you get it wrong, I get a point. Sounds good. All right. So would you rather have Devontae Smith and Christian Kirk or Deontay Johnson and CJ Uzoma? And by how much? Actually, I'm not going to say by how much since it's just me against you. Okay. I want you to give me by how much, but it's not going to count. I remember them really, really liking Deontay Johnson, as they should, as everybody should. Um, But I think... I'm going to go with Deontay and Uzoma just because I think the weight that Deontay carries is so high. 
but I think the margin is maybe like within four, right. four to six. All right. All right. You got both wrong. Oh, and, I, God. And, I, and I'll tell you, if you get either, if going forward, if you get either of them right, you get a point. So that's a point okay. for me. So here's how it breaks down Devontae Smith, 17.9, Christian Kirk, 9.9 for a total of 27.8. Yeah. Deontay Johnson, 25.4, CJ Uzuma. Uzuma? Don't know. <laughs> no, I never figured it out. 1.8 for a total of 27.3. Mm. Devontae Smith side by 5.5. It's I let, a really close trade. I I think I I, my, I think my own bias got into my head. <laughs> I really I really do. So so the the whole point of this game and 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 this is what I want to know is who would you actually take in that trade? I mean I would still I would rather have the Kirk and Devontae Smith side of it. Reason being AJ Brown coming in only helps, at least in the context of the Philadelphia offense. Right. Like it's not like Devontae Smith was some like third He's not ready round. Much. Yeah, like well, not only, but it's also not like he was some like third round draft capital guy that you know like overachieved and was like we're nervous if the team ever brings in another guy, then everything goes to crap. Like first round pick won the Heisman, had a very under the radar, extremely effective rookie year. Like he set rookie records for the Eagles. By yeah, the way. so it's like. Dude's good, you know? And then yeah. also, like, Kirk, like, it's a murky situation. I really don't know how they're going to deploy all of those pieces in the Peterson offense, especially because a lot of the receivers that they have are kind of cast into a similar archetypal bucket. Going to be interesting to see how they figure that out. But, good by, you know, like... Yeah, especially they lost Chark. Chark yeah. was the one guy that could stretch the field, right? Exactly. So it's like, you know, and I really hate to do the disingenuous follow the money thing because it's not always something that leads to, you know, positive results from a just figuring out the clue standpoint. Sure. But when you give a guy that much, like, for, like, he... They're going to try to make him a thing, absolutely. They're going to, like, to no end, they're going to try to make him a thing. Yeah, even if it's violently inefficient, they gambled so much financially yeah, they can't, on it. They can't just say, oops, we fucked up. Oops, there's the first episode. And there you go. Hey, hey, oh. <laughs> but they can't just say that week five. Exactly, yeah. You so, know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, from that standpoint, so like, just, like, at least for the first year, year and a half, Kirk is going to be forced into opportunity. And then Demonte Smith just being as good as he is. And then, like, I will take that. The other major part of it being, as much as I love Deontay Johnson, we don't know where he's playing after this year. Yeah. So well, but and he'll be great no matter where he goes. But like, it's still something. In a way, consider. though, that, that that's such a like that could it's so polarizing, right? That could it's be e- a, it's either a boon for him or it's a detriment, right? It, it's it's if in the eye of the beholder the, at that goes, point. If he goes to the to the Jets, bleh. yeah, you know. They already have. There, he's blocked. Well, all right. Let's be realistic. 
if he goes to the Chargers to replace Keenan Allen, <laughs> right? Wheels that up, would baby. Be Wheels up, baby. Oh my god, dude! I mean, it obviously sad if he goes to the Cardinals, but like, if he goes to the Cardinals to replace D Hop, wheels up, baby. Like, these are good opportunities. So it's like, yeah, like it's in the eye if of he, the beholder. If DK gets traded and Lockett is old, and he goes to Seattle, and they draft the fourth quarterback next year. Blah. Not so not loving that. Yeah. So it's like it's You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's a there's a lot up and down there. Yeah. You have a lot more security with the recent first round capital, extremely talented receiver, and then the guy that just got so much money that they're gonna force it into existence. They're going to they're going to put all of their will to put it into existence. Yeah. Like I will take that level of security from an asset standpoint, even if it's not as high, there's still a stability with both that I, it's comfortable at least. So where are you going? Where, where, which side of this trade are you going from a dynasty standpoint? Oh, I mean, well, like I said, like I would rather go with the Devonte Smith, Christian Kirk thing. Yeah. I would too, because you have two shots, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think I see the Devonte Smith, Deontay Johnson talent as pretty similar. You know, Devontae Smith is a hell of a 1B, is yeah. how I see him, right? Exactly. He's he's kind of he's kind of like the I just see him as a less physical Reggie Wayne, hoping he puts on weight, you know, muscle yeah. weight and becomes Reggie Wayne kind mm-hmm. of player. Uh he's got the skill set to be that kind of player. And and Christian Kirk, I I see a large chance of success for him. Like, like you said, he, they're, they're going to make, they're going to tr- uh, like uh, Doug Peterson is no fool. If he gave that money, he's going to, he's going to feature that player. It's going to happen. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I believe the fantasy points will be there for Kirk and, you know, you pair him with it, with a hopefully ascending uh, a quarterback that, you know, was was the greatest prospect since Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and he, he, I personally am giving him a, a mulligan on season one because of that stupid ass Urban Meyer crap. One hundred, frankly, year one to Trevor. I'm Lawrence. giving him a mulligan. Yeah, it doesn't exist in my brain. He it, needs it, to come funny. out. He needs to come out this year and show his talent. Right? He needs That's, to come oh, out this year. Sure. Yeah. And put up, you know, close to four thousand yards, twenty touchdowns, limit the interceptions. If that happens, then he's an ascending player. Absolutely. Let me ask you something: Would mm-hmm. you trade Trevor Lawrence in a second for Russ Wilson right now? If I am really looking to like go for the chip, probably. What about on a rebuild? Just keep Trevor Lawrence then. Yeah, no, screw yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So no panic on Trevor. Year one didn't happen. Okay. Not in oh. this brain. Not in We're this you- brain. It didn't. Right. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. We're giving him. I'm giving him the mulligan, but I'm still a little worried. He did look freaking worse than Zach Wilson. You know what and I mean? He did, but at the same time, we I are mean, talking we about. He looked good. We're. 
he did. Yeah, he, he did. He actually looked good from an NFL standpoint. Not that is from true. A fantasy standpoint, which so, is what I'm looking for right now. Absolutely. But like, it's just like such a weird team last year to the point we're like, look, we're talking about a team that made me interested enough in writing an article about Jamal Agnew. You know what I mean? That's wow. the type of offense we're talking about, right? You're any the Urban Meyer experience is wiped from my fantasy memory. I don't anything that took place last year is the only thing that even remotely carries over. Just as a small footnote in the Jaguars conversation is the possibility that Dan Arnold can carry over and have some interesting value just because like, you know, I, who knows if his acquisition was more of a Meyer thing or a bulky thing, but Doug Peterson coming in with propensity for a 12 personnel type system. I know they brought in Evan Ingram as well, but like, that's the only thing that carries over from last year. My brain is something interesting. I will say though, I'll push back. Doug Peterson went, 12 personnel because he had Ertz and Goddard. That is, that is true. That is true. Right. He didn't do that with the Colts. Yeah. Colts. No, I'm thinking of right. Chiefs. Chiefs. I'm thinking of Colts. I'm thinking of Reich, but yeah, he didn't do that with the chiefs. Yeah. Right. Because he didn't have that personnel. I yeah. do think Doug Peterson is a, is a, he's a West coast guy. Yeah. Right. And, and the, the basic, basic element of, West Coast is play to your personnel. And that that's what Bill Walsh always did was play to your personnel. Who are your that best is, players? That's true. And even that like theoretically he made, you know, still find ways to cycle in and out and you know do whatever. But like mm-hmm. but even then it's such a small thing that I'm I mean he's gonna over. pass. He's gonna pass. Yeah. Absolutely. I promise you. And that's also why I feel so good about Travis Etienne, especially because, like, you know, like the familiarity and link he already has with Trevor yeah. Lawrence from college. And then also, like, I dove, like, not like, deep on this because this is very easily accessible information, but just like in terms of pace of play for the offense in Peterson's entire tenure in Philadelphia, routinely top 10. They're yeah, going to run, to they're back. going to run astronomically nor- more plays yep. than they did last year. So Absolutely. even from a volume standpoint across the board for all players, it is going to be night and day. That's I'm a, very an amazing point. That's great. I hadn't thought about that. Doug Peterson loves to go fast. Yeah, trust me. Think- and it's a, and it's a thing. So what 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 happens is like he uses the hurry up when they're struggling mm-hmm. because I mean and and rightfully so it, it it gets an offense going a lot of times. Yeah, right. And and that's a Doug Peterson thing. It's 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 not like he didn't invent it, but he really believes in that. And I've seen it so many times in Eagles games where like we're, we're struggling and boom, here comes the hurry up in the second quarter. Love it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause like, I, I think mean, they it, were it's like, kind of a Shanahan thing too. Yeah. Like, like that difference from, I think it was either 28th or 29th and like just plays run offensively last yeah. year to what it's going to be now. Right. And yeah. we see, and the greatest thing that you can have for a fantasy asset is a guy on a team that runs a bunch of plays because more plays is more opportunity, which is more production in theory, but like, but more opportunity definitively, which is everything. It's everything. That's what we all want. He had to have a player like Kirk to make a player like LaVisca even viable, by the way. That is true. Yeah. So like LaVisca cannot be like your first option. Absolutely not. Not at all. No. You have to have a player like Kirk that can at least stretch the field and get open deep 
like he anyway. He also signed Marvin Jones, who is a if he can still do it, you know, he could last year. If he can still do it, that guy can run a nine route. Absolutely. You know, he, he absolutely knows how to step on a D back's toes and get past them. I was huge on him as a value pick last year. I mean, obviously it didn't Yeah, work, me too. It didn't work out to the scale that we thought it would for obvious reasons that we've already been over, but like He's still there, man. He's still there. It worked early, and uh, I've been huge on him for a a number of years. That guy, you know, you probably get him for a fourth. You know what I mean? And he's an NFL wide receiver that, like I said, he knows how to get open deep. He tracks the ball. He's he's your quintessential quintessential deep weapon, right? Hopefully he can still do it at his age. He's been doing it for long enough, hey, you know. Right. Right. He's he's uh Deshaun without quite the speed or attitude. Cut from the same cloth, different part of the blanket, but yeah, right. same cloth. All right. So I have two more that are gonna spin your head. All right. All right. Here's one for you. Friarmouth and Goddard for Knox and Hawk. So this is thrown back to where things we've talked about already. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) good luck on this one, but go for it. I'm. I'm, Firemuth and and Goddard. Think about how nice that team is. But then think about Knox and Hawk, right? And how, like, yeah. Anyway, I'm I'm betting that the Hawk and Knox side is it's not the one I would take, but I think in the calculator that's probably the winner. All right, so you get a point. That's it's, a point for you. So that is higher. Take a guess at at, at how by how much. That margin's got to be pretty slim. I mean, like, what, like within two or three. Mm-hmm. It's two point two. Yeah. So like it's and I I I get I get it. It's not what I would choose to do. I would I would take the Muth Goddard side Mm -hmm. personally, but I I get it, you know. All right, so real quick, just gonna have to interrupt you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just cracked Vizzy, I've been cracking all night, obviously, but I just cracked Vizzy Pineapple Mango mm-hmm. and is the best one. Oh, they, hey. Pretty hey. damn good. Pretty have you good. had Have you had Topo Chico? Oh, love me some cho- Topo Chico. Dude. The strawberry guava is my jam. Mm, dude, those flavors are awesome, man. If that they just made strawberry guava 12-packs, I would buy that all day. Oh, dude. It's the mango, a- I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. I had that for the first time recently. I didn't like it as much, but yeah, strawberry guava, dude, like that, man, that's Ooh, right. That, that's a party in your mouth. I will tell yeah. you what. <laughs> big fan. So we we've been a big Topo Chico fan in this house before they made hard seltzer. They made uh, uh, flat seltzer, or well, just a, like a sparkling seltzer. water type deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we got it at the Mexi Mart up the street. Yeah, uh, Los Amigos. I'm telling you, that is the best thing to mix with vodka in the world. It's good, man. It's so yeah, good. It's so good. Shout out. 
And like, hey, if, right. you want to get, if you want to give us a sponsorship, Topo Chico, if you're listening, please hit us up. Either one please, of them. Please, please. <laughs> I mean, I, I've been begging truly for months, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So you're right. You got it right. But you would take the Friar Muth Goddard side. And like, I would just reference our big discussion we had earlier. You know what I mean? Just like there are, if I'm looking for types of tight ends, yeah, I would I would rather go with Muth and Goddard I'm for with what you. for what they have going for them than the other side. But uh, I'm it, with you. But it could go either way. Yeah, in a vacuum, it, there's a reason it's close. So, so like, it's, I, I, it's I a feel like the, the highest upside guy is Hawk, right? Objectively, the 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 person with the highest possible ceiling, I think, is probably Pat Fryermuth. But the mm-hmm. likelihood that that happens is smaller than the likelihood of TJ Hawkinson reaching his comparable ceiling. So, like, gotcha. In the aggregate, yeah, Hawk. I think Hawk actually has a higher ceiling and a higher likelihood of reaching the ceiling. So that's why that's why I like that side a little. That's the only reason I like that side. And for I, sure, and for sure, Knox I like. Um, I actually kind of have Knox and Fryermuth pretty similar, um, as far as what expected production. I feel that. Um, Friar Muth definitely has higher value because mm-hmm. he produced in first year where Knox produced in third year. So perception is definitely on Friar Muth's side. But from my expected production, I have them very, very, very similar. I, like, I, 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 it's actually a neck and neck for me. I get that. As far as DTC goes, it's 15.5 Friar Muth. 16.6 Goddard, which is muted. Know. It's muted. It's muted by the offense, right? Yeah. If if the Eagles do what every Eagles fan expects them to do and trade up and get Beejan, or not Beejan, um, CJ Stroud and who's the Alabama quarterback? Bryce Young. Bryce Young. Beejan's the running back. Mm-hmm. So if they, if they do what like one of those two guys, then Goddard becomes you know a, a twenty eight point player, a twenty six point player. You know Perhaps. what I mean? Yeah. But it's a big if. You know what I mean? Only Absolutely. Eagles fans like are, are are banking on that. Everybody else is is probably way more objective. Eagles have they have the the ammo to do it, but. You know, who knows if it really happens. Total of 32.1, where on the other side, you have Knox at 7.3, which I think is so low. God, it kills me. It's, it's, and even as someone who's nervous about the dynasty outlook for Knox, that is not, that's low. That's tight end, that's tight end premium setting. In, in DC. Oh, well, then that's, yeah. No, I mean, it's, it, you know it, what like, I mean? It, like, it, sh- it shouldn't be like, are you getting him for a 20, high, but like, are yeah, you getting him question. for a 2023 20, third? Not in tight end premium. No. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, not third. Second? Are you getting him a 2023 20, second? In, tw- in tight end premium? 
I and like honestly, uh, the, no, they're that, laughing at you. No, yeah, no, like because yeah, why would they like, take that? Like, there's a like there's a very small segments of managers that would consider that to the point. Like it, it's it's not even a it, it's not something that you should even have entered. Yeah, into the it's break. like the idiots in your league will take that right. So you can't. Yeah. It's not a viable strategy. Yeah, because you have to consider that. Like you have to assume that nobody's an idiot. Right. Assuming competence, and if it happens for you, great. But, you know. Assuming competency in a tight end premium scoring right. format, there are enough people that are rosy about the the fact that he's in that offense. If Josh Allen continues to look for him in the red zone, then like right. why the hell, why the hell would I give that up? Why would I give a second? Well, like why would I take a second for him? No, he has he has a potential to be a tight end one. No, right. All right. So to- Hawk is a twenty seven. And you know, and and we we had that <laughs> we had the Hawks discussion. I mean, it's a lot. It's you a know, lot. It's, it's a lot. And we haven't really come to a consensus that he has like the the likely potential to be an elite tight end. So I, yeah. at twenty seven, he has to be. Yeah, right? I I cannot get there with that. Like, and I'm not necessarily disagreeing with the trade calculator per se because like. This is how he's viewed. <laughs> it is. If I have Hawk, like, yeah, if I have Hawk, you know. <laughs> I'm not giving him up for just just the first. Why would I do that? Yeah, it, it would be you know. On, I, there's on, there's a very low likelihood that I can pre- replace his production production with one pick, where you know every pick is a is a dart throw, so you oh, have yeah. to get extra picks. So yeah. like, I would want. I gave up. I gave up one hundred three and two ten. I would kind of want more than that. Yeah, and like especially like you know because like I kind of like briefly mentioned it earlier in the show, but like I can only think of like two tight ends coming out of college within the next couple draft classes that can theoretically be close, and then like one guy in like Eric Gilbert if he gets his head on straight and figures some stuff out because from a talent standpoint. He has all of that in the world, but I mean, like his saga of like leaving LSU, kind of dropping off the face of the earth, people not knowing where he is, popping up at Georgia, and then not really doing anything. Like he was once regarded as an insanely ridiculous tight end recruit coming out of high school. So it's just like him, like Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame, and then Brock Bowers. Like those are like the three chances. Yeah. Well, the two chances you have. Mayor, if Mayor if Bowers. Yeah. So basically, the two like those are the I two. Mayor, Mayor is going to be a. He's going to be a top five. Yeah. So it's like and and then and that's kind of the the point that I think we're both getting at is just like unless you are just automatically assuming that pick that I am getting is going to be this guy or this guy and you're just cementing what you're doing with that asset right now it doesn't make any sense. And even then cementing what you're doing with that asset now doesn't make any sense anyway because that's ludicrous. <laughs> so it's like why would you do yeah. that? And like it, as, as volatile as tight end is, good luck replacing him with one pick is kind of my entire point. Ex- exactly. Like, to do that, you have to do an unreasonable, unhealthy amount of preparation. <laughs> like, that is. <laughs> and just... you're still going to be wrong. You know what I mean? Like, there's still a great chance that you're going to be wrong yeah. because all the guys that do, like, you know, Kuiper 
get so many things wrong. Yeah, yeah. We, we can't. Yeah. From a procedural standpoint, it's ludicrous. And then even from the outcome standpoint, it's no guarantee. We're talking about college athletes right now. You just, all right. So one of the things that I wanted, that I want to do for this show is a historical hit rate game. Yeah. Just to, just to make people understand like how, how, even your first round pick, how how far like of a chance that you have of that actually hitting as an elite player, it's not what you think, you know. Yeah. So I mean, you 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 need to get three picks for a player like that, especially in a tight end premium. Like I mean, you know, you have to be very mindful of that type of asset for sure. Right. Like, you know, it's it. Yeah, man. Not only. Not only in a tight end, like, especially, like, when you get a full point, you know, extra in yeah. a tight end premium, especially in those leagues, you you have to not not just think, like, who's my tight end, right? You have to think, who are my four tight ends? Because those guys are going to outscore wide receivers in your flex. And yeah. if those guys go down, you absolutely have to have a real player to substitute them with. You can't just say, uh, I have Eric Ebron or Donald Parham as my backup. You know, you, you have exactly. to have real players. You have to have Goddard or you have to have, like, Uzuma doesn't count. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, you have to be looking at a situation where it's like, if I have one of these top guys, thank God Hunter Henry's lingering behind him. You know what I mean? Like, that type of thing. Like, yeah, right. like, you can't really... Yeah, because like in in leagues that I play in that aren't tight end premium, I mean, like Hunter that, Henry doesn't even inspire confidence in me, to be honest. Oh, for sure, but but even the, even at the, backup, like in those in those leagues, I want more. And I don't you blame know? you, but just like, but even then, still, just like illustrating the point of like yeah. guys you feel good about in non tight end premium that if they're on your bench, you're just like, oh well, maybe I don't know. But like like the logic is so different across those formats, and like, and that's why it pays. Like, and so often this happens where, like, I will, like, join a league and then, like, you know, like, managers that drop off after one year because just like, oh, it kind of sucked. And then you're left with this orphan that you're really having a hard time finding a new manager for is because it's like that person didn't understand the format. Right. right. You know what I mean? Like, it's so vital that people remember that stuff. (laughs) Like, you you have to tailor your strategy around this. Like, what? Because, like, the goal of fantasy football generally in like a macro bird's eye view sense is the same thing, but like your strategy has to be tailored to what is being rewarded. And those types of people who don't like, if you don't tailor your drafting strategy and roster construction to what is rewarded, then you're just going to hate yourself if something ever happens. And that's when we see so many people rage quit leagues and it's just, it's a shame, but it's true. Well, shout out to dynasty Warzone. Because if you join one of those Patreon leagues, it doesn't really happen. To be honest, like, what I'm trying to say is you have to be kind of select. Like, don't join, you know, random ESPN leagues, random sleeper leagues. Join a a Patreon. Find find a group of like-minded people. Like, I I, got to be honest, like... If we have an orphan, it's snapped up within five minutes on the chat. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I've I've kind of like focused. I, I started out 
and I had a couple of like weird like dynasty teams with a bunch of people I didn't know, and it was really unstable. And I'm not going to pay money for those leagues. So yeah, yeah, just saying like like find a group of people. I'm not saying it has to be Dynasty Warzone, but you know, low key, I'm saying we are the best out there. <laughs> yeah, so just be be selective about that because if you want a league to thrive, you have to make sure that it's yeah, yeah, people I that. Mean, if I'm making a if I'm making a trade for a 2024 or 2025 picks, the first question I ask myself is: Is this league going to exist at that point? Because if not, I just threw my first two or three years of entry fees away. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So that's that's a great point about dynasty. Yeah. All, All right. So yeah, I've got a I've got a one more trade. That mm-hmm. is going to make your head spin. All right. I really wish Chad was here for this one because um, we, had, we had a huge debate about two of these players last week. But uh, anyway, would you rather have or would DTC rather have Kenny Pickett and one Mitchell Troubadour Trubisky or Ryan Tannehill and Malik Willis? That's a fucking tough one. And there's F bomb number two. Hey, it, it, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm telling you, this is this is a tough one. I'm just I'm impressed I haven't dropped one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, you know, so it, and anybody, you know, watching or listening to this or whatever, like if, if you ever end up checking out my podcast, you too will be astounded by the fact that I haven't yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um I'm assuming that the calculator is probably gonna pre- uh, prefer the Tennessee side. But even then, that's a kind of a bold assumption on my part because, mm-hmm. like, you know, you I don't bastard. know. I don't know if that's readjusted for the updated information of the Malik Willis draft. You capital. bastard! Oh, this like, is my first chance to get a win, and you took it. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know it because like you have to put yourself in the brain of the calculator and like whether or not you agree with the calculator because like that's you know. Th- this is all an imperfect thing, you know, but like I had a feeling <laughs> that, well, especially just because like the depressed value of Trubisky being what it is. Like I think that was the component of this to me that I was just like, he is still probably so low that even with Tannehill's struggle from last year, he keeps it afloat high enough that like, yeah, I don't know. That that's that's how I kind of arrived at that conclusion in my head. Right on, right on. So we have Pickett at eighteen point seven as the highest player in the trade. Yeah. Troops at five point six, which yeah, is Yeah. That's really wild. low. That's wild. Really low. And then you have Tannehill at fifteen, which I think is probably about right. And then Malik Willis at at eleven point see there's there's the you know like i i can tell the draft capital is baked in there but it's still it's still high and yeah there we go sam the old noodle didn't fail me on that one all right there we go (laughs) for pick for pick it to be only seven point higher seven points higher than malik willis i i just don't agree like i think malik willis should be more like trubisky because let me ask you this: 
is there a higher chance that Malik Willis becomes a starting, like a, a perennial starting NFL quarterback than Mitch Trubisky? Is that true or incorrect? I mean, and and I I've kind of said this all along in the like post NFL draft process is like for as much as people are like oh well the situation Willis finds himself in is interesting oh the situation Desmond Ritter finds himself is interesting it's like all of that can be true but the only the only quarterback that was drafted in this entire year that has any prayer of starting three seasons yeah let alone like a long time right he's Kenny Pickett he's the only one (laughs) he's the only one exactly so like yeah, like I and don't get me wrong, like the skill set that Willis presents is very intriguing. I understand. And you know, the same thing with Ritter, I guess. I never figured out how I felt about him. How many quarterbacks with like, Malik Willis's skill set have not made it in the NFL? There's a lot. Exactly. So it's just like it there, there's one quarterback that's going and, and that's why, you know, and I got clowned for it a lot, you know, like my willingness to, and like I drafted a lot of Kenny Pickett. I did. And it was just like, well, yeah, me too. Blah, blah, blah. and it's just like the reason I'm me doing too. it is because, and like some of like, maybe like one Oh, like one Oh eight, one Oh nine. stuff. they're like, what are you doing, man? Like Herms, come on. I'm just like, he's the only one. <laughs> he's the only one. Someone gave you shit about that. There are there, people. There are people that have. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I have a few in me, but that's that's not a good take. Yeah. At, between 107 and 110, I probably took eight Kenny Willis's. I mean, yeah. Kenny, Pickett, yeah. Kenny Pickett's. Yeah. But, so it's just like <laughs> we're and, getting and like, we're getting late. We're two and a half hours in. No, for sure. But it's just like, and like I understand. It's just like no. You know, seriously, so, I took so yeah. much Kenny Pickett in that range. Yeah. Man. Like, some of those receivers are interesting. I get it. Was James Cook available some of those times? Sure. But in super flex leagues, there is one guy that I yes. know will Absolutely. do something for me. <laughs> so, like, please give zero, me that. I took zero Desmond Ritter where he was going. I took zero Matt Corral where he was going. And I got, like, two Malik Willis's in the late second. I didn't get him, like, early to mid or whatever. He fell to late second and, and, and like, the Mechie and McBrides that I like were yeah. gone. And like, it was like Brian Robinson or Zamir white or, you know, like uh, both pierces were gone. Yeah. And I was like, F it. I'll take Malik Willis at, at this that, point. You, you Highest still, upside late second round, yeah. but and I'm not that, taking you, him. I wasn't taking him early to mid at all. I didn't, I didn't get one at that yeah. point. And I kept seeing people do that, and I understand just the the tantalizing nature of the skill set. I can see how someone arrives at that conclusion mentally, but I just cannot get there. No, it's just neither. it never made sense. It just didn't. what what is more likely is that they draft over him. Wouldn't shock me, you know. And it's more likely to me for Corral, Ritter, and Malik Willis that they get drafted over all three of them. So yeah. like there's been this there's been this debate like who has the best chance of starting first out of all of these picks. Who cares? I don't give a shit because I don't really have any confidence in any of them to like take over to a team to a point that they're not gonna draft over them when they spend a third round pick on them. The only one I give a, any shits about is Pickett. And that's like he's like Mac Jones to me last year was taking him all day long in the late first. Same with Pickett. 
Yeah, and and when you're taking chances on quarterbacks drafted in that range, like the only examples that I can even think of from recent history anyway, like there are plenty more historically I get, but like you are looking at telling yourself a Malik Willis, a Desmond Ritter, or a Matt Corral could be Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott. Right. That's the thing you have to sell yourself on. The biggest outliers that I could ever remember. Exactly. And if, and only one of them I feel is within the ballpark of doing so. And I'm not confident. So it's just, there was only one quarterback worth taking in any of these rookie drafts that happened this year. I mean, there's the, there's the the chance at a certain point anyway, obviously. So, so I mean, honestly, like, if you want to go with the narrative part of this, then yeah. Okay. It's pretty similar. Like the same way that both of those quarterbacks fell, that these quarterbacks fell, but I mean, all right, let's talk about Russell Wilson for a second, right? He went in the third round. The Eagles were hot after Russell Wilson in the third round, but they slept on him. They couldn't have taken him in the second and they didn't. And Seattle traded up and took him. And the Eagles were like, all right, well, we'll take Nick Foles. Yeah. Well, all right, well, maybe that's Matt Corral, right? So who's Nick Foles in the NFL? Nick Foles is an extremely streaky player that can have great games in the right circumstances, in the right system, right? Yeah. I mean – He's and like you, a, you want those I mean, he's players got on a, your roster, but the yeah, value that they present's not huge. I mean, he, he's in a he he's a Super Bowl MVP, right? Absolutely. Philly special, baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got a ten inch penis. For Everyone sure. in, the locker, in the locker room knows that. Yeah, big but, Nick, man, that's what's all. Yeah, about. exactly. But do you, do you, is he better than Russell Wilson? Hell no, absolutely not. Hell no. Every Eagles fan cursed every minute of that draft until we won that Super Bowl. Right? Yeah. I mean, if... All right. So, say you're an Eagles fan, and you can go back and draft Russell Wilson or or Nick Foles knowing what you know now. Right? You're definitely getting Super Bowl win with Foles. Did Russell Wilson win in a win a Super Bowl? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, they did win one of those. Yes. It would have been two if they had handed it yeah. to Marshawn. But... <laughs> that's <laughs> but... the one. That's the one I can't forget. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man. Like, what's the question? Like, it's, it's got to be Russell. It's got to be Russell because he's got because he's got the Super Bowl win, right? So you're gonna win a Super Bowl either way. It's more fun if like I I liked the journey because okay, right, well, if right. I'm an okay if I'm an Eagles fan, then I don't know what my answer is. It that would be t- that would be tough, but it's tough, man. From a right? third party perspective, like the full thing was cool. Yeah, <laughs> so, like you know, so like fucking. So freaking cool, man. It was, it was cool, man. Like, it was like, fun to see that. You know, and then you like, found out, like, and then you found out in the end that you, we wouldn't have won that Super Bowl with Wentz because he's gutless. He's absolutely the most, he's a tin man. He's got no heart. I got he's a, a lot gutless of wonder. Yeah, like, you can't win anything. I got a lot of buddies around here that are, you know, Washington Commanders fans. And right. they I feel, but, and like, like, and I think, 
Commanders. I think we discussed we discussed this last time we spoke. You know, it's just one can, of those can things. Can we still where... call them what WTF, please? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, the, the football team name was a very good name. But, I just um, want to call them what what the. Uh, oh yeah, no, I mean for, that's well. Th- <laughs> we may not call them that, but we certainly. Uh, I hear that phrase a lot. <laughs> you know. Cause, yeah. You know, because like between like my boss, you know, a few of the people in my home league, you know, it's just you know, and also like I I grew up rooting for them as my NFC team of choice because there was no rooting conflict between them and the Steelers. I abandoned that franchise a long time ago, and I never yeah. looked back. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, Most know. people who live in DC DC have done the same thing. So yeah. I, I I worked in DC for quite a while, and um, I worked with a lot of people of color that grew up in DC, and I mean. I think one of them, out of all of them, one of them was was a, a whatever you want to call them, WTF fan, Redskins fan, hmm. growing up. The rest of them were like, no, they're racist. No, I'm not going to root for a racist team. So, I mean, I'm saying it right now on this podcast right now. They are a racist organization and have not changed. And there's nothing I can do to, like, root for them. Yeah, like my whole thing, at least at a certain point or whatever, because I mean, I had to evolve in my ethical understanding to reach that point. Yeah. But like, it, if Dan Snyder is ousted, I will be open to rooting for the franchise again. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, like, like at, at least they're fantasy players. At this point, I have a hard time rooting for their fantasy players. Not only from that standpoint, but also just like, it's where talent has gone to die routinely. There yeah. have been so many players that, you know, like... Although I do I do believe in Ron Rivera. I do. I, oh, he is a remarkable, remarkable I, I, human he's being. A, he, I mean, he's an intense human being. Absolutely. He, he really is. And, and like, he, he, he's the type of person that can will a team to win. He's also extremely intelligent. And can, For sure. It's hard not I to love that guy. Yeah, absolutely. But... I briefly bought back in to a small slim to the degree that I turned the ESPN notifications back on. I'll say that like, because like when he got hired, cause I was excited about that at least, but then I was reminded of the, Oh yeah, everything about this still sucks otherwise. But like, I, I want some sort of fortune reversal to happen for them, mostly for his sake. You know, mm. I want Dan Snyder to be ousted. I want things to turn around because I want Ron Rivera to succeed. Cause he's such a good dude. Yeah, I like, agree. But I, I, yeah, beat cancer. You know, I, I, I honestly, though, in my heart, believe that Dan Snyder will die owning this team, and nothing is going to change during that span. I mean, what what that congressional investigation found on him, it may end up being very difficult for him to hold on to it because I mean, for, is that still for, up in the air? I thought it was settled, and, and they, they skated. I'm I I haven't heard much about it recently. You, you I, could I, be I right. Assumed, I just I kind of just assumed. I don't really know. All I know is that, like, for as much as like the other messy things about that team that should have gotten, you know, him I mean, removed, he's a scumbag, just, and well, yeah. a scumbag organization. Yeah, like all of those things aside, that should have been reasons to oust him. But you know, the old boys club being what it is, I get, I get. I, I begrudgingly and regretfully understand why he's still, but when it, what the financial crimes nature of steal, like essentially stealing that much revenue from your other, you know, team and franchise owners, like, right. 
I'm yeah. not sure how much he's going to be able to survive that. Yeah, that's something they won't say. Because it's just like sexual harassment, ah, whatever. But all these yeah. other things, yeah, but when you talk about my money, and like, and that's yeah, be- right. Because if yeah, you're a billionaire. You, say bad, th- you base, say bad things about minorities, ah, we can get over it. But if, yeah, yeah, but if it's my money, yeah. it's a The minute story. you screw over a billionaire yeah. capitalist over money. Yeah. You right. know, that's when things start to get, hey, you know. Yeah, good call. So, good call. you know. There's one thing that pisses off somebody like Jerry Jones more than anything else. You know, I mean, yeah. Talk about the other most scumbaggiest organization in sports. It's in a lot of, and one of the frustrating things about just being a fan of sports as a whole is that we all have, like, we all have passively signed some sort of cognitive contract to just ignore the problematic nature yes. of the sport that we choose to watch. Yes. It's frankly. For the most part, it's almost every franchise. For the most part, to, yeah. To some, to some degree or another. I'm not saying they're all aggressively I, bad, but to some small degree, all the way up to the scale of just complete nightmare, it can be. I like to believe that the Eagles do more good than bad. Yeah. But it's hard to ignore some of the bad. Yeah. The Eagles have screwed people up. It's it's something we have to accept about being a fan of sports. Yeah. So, you know, if if you're willing to block that part of it out of your mind, and and I also think about it from the and I we talked about this on an episode of my podcast not too long ago at the intro because like our we we tend to address serious things up top and then get into it sometimes like even just in terms of like how for years the league withheld information that they had about the long-term effects of player health and concussions and stuff is just like to be able to put myself in a position where I am willing to support and give my attention to a sport that actively harmed and withheld support from its athletes is completely abhorrent, (laughs) but yeah, you just well, you, when there's you, billions you, of dollars on the line, that's always going to be the answer. Exa- yeah, you. I'm not saying that, it's right. In fact, I'm saying it, it's wrong. Exactly, but but, like, but that's kind of my point. There are certain things you just have to block out if you want right. to enjoy it. You exactly. Know? Exactly. The, yeah. To and enjoy I, and the theater give, of it is you can't you can't break the fourth wall to enjoy the theater. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Great example. I'm, I'm going to quote Chris Harris. Well, not. I'm going to pair a quote. Um, Chris Harris, what like there are all of these. Um, I think he calls it the third situation, where like we, we don't know what's happening and we can't control what's happening, and well, we can't control anything in the NFL. But these are the things that the the, the human aspect that we have, you know, we can't yeah. control and, and we can't really even predict. So exactly, you know. Um, we can draw lines as human beings if we want, or we cannot. And I won't judge anybody for either circumstance, right? Mm-hmm. If Darius Geis comes back to the NFL and gets a job and it's fantasy relevant, hey, that's awesome. It's going to be for somebody else's team. Yeah, same. Not mine, but, you know. Right. I will not have Darius Geis for free. I will not. I think he's a scumbag of a human being, and he will not be on my team. But if my opponent has Darius Geis against me in a championship game and I lose because of that, so be it. You know, I will not judge anybody, but I I draw certain moral lines. I not everybody has to do that. 
Because, I mean, ultimately, you know, especially from a fantasy perspective, it's just like there's already an added level of distance between yourself and football by tying it into fantasy anyway. So, I mean, I I get it. I mean, I'll end this part of the discussion by saying this, unless you Mm -hmm. have more. But oh, no, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I, I could go on forever about this. I, like, Listen, Des Bryant, this is my point. Des Bryant once punched his mother in the face. And this is this is uh, from a news article that I read. Like, it's a police report. He punches, he punched his own mother in the face. There was a really good reason. Like, she was a crackhead and stole money from him. And, and like, it was, it was not a mother-son relationship that you and I have ever had. But maybe some of our listeners have. I don't know. But I won a fantasy championship with him. You know, is that right or wrong? I don't know that there's. To me, that's what. To me, outside of killing a person or raving a person, that's one of the worst things you can do in the world is punch your mother in the face. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But, and even that. Yeah. He didn't grow up with the same mother I did. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, to me, that just, it, it, it really exemplifies, like, you know, they're people, but we're just trying to beat, you know, our friends. And yeah. where does that line, where does that line come in? And like, yeah, and- like I said, I knew that about him, but I won a fantasy championship with him because he, he threw a touchdown to yeah. win me a fantasy championship. Yeah. Is, do you remember that? I do. Yeah. It was like six, seven years ago. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a redraft league, whatever. Yeah. the The point is just like far be it from any individual to police how you play a game. Yeah, right on. I don't know how we got on this subject, dude. It's it's a byproduct of just it's my fault. No, it's, <laughs> no, no. I love it. I love it, Herms. Man, this is why I had you on because you're a deep thinker. You're a you're a character. You're amazing for fantasy football. Well, love having you. you here, man. I appreciate like, that. I really do. We're we're gonna have you on when it's uh uh like the full crew, right? right cool. So it's yeah. it's gonna be so like so just to explain what's going on with Chad, he owns a horse ranch. Mm-hmm. And um have you ever seen you're not a Yellowstone fan by any chance, are you? I'm familiar with it, yeah. Well I've never Chad, seen it, but I know what it is. Chad lives that show. no seriously like the the particular horses like they breed in that show or same horses and um he works with a lot of people that are producers on that show and so he's anyway all right there you go he's not kevin (laughs) costner's best friend (laughs) but anyway this is his busy season he's traveling around trying to buy and sell horses gotcha and uh so He's not able, like, normally he's on video with us tonight. Like, for the last few weeks, he, he hasn't been. And Mike, who's our other co-host, is in the Army. Mm-hmm. And, like, for a couple months a year, he's got to go and do these war games. And anyway, normally he's stationed at Texas A&M, and he runs the ROTC. And he's, like, their captain. And, like, he teaches all the cadets. And yeah. so, like, he's got a pretty cushy job, I, I feel like, you know. Most of yeah. the year, but you know, he gets sent out once in a while, and he's he, and he just had a kid, so really tough on him right now. True that, yeah. Anyway, um, man, 
Anything else we want to talk about? I don't know. It's almost a three-hour show. I, I feel like I feel like, you know, if we want to solve like the the deficit, you know, <laughs> or I mean, or like if there's a recession coming, do we want to prevent that? <laughs> I have a lot I have a lot of thoughts and theories about that, but I don't know that <laughs> Fantasy Pros really wants me to talk about my political views. So <laughs> Yeah, no, we don't we don't, get, we don't get we don't get political at all on this show, just yeah, so you know. So we, we keep it to football. There we go. Herms, man, this was amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. And thank you so much for like having the enthusiasm and like hit me up and like next time you do a game on a Friday and yeah, we're absolutely having you back on. You're going to be free sometime in July. Um, yeah, I'm thinking late July. Probably. Yeah. yeah I know. So, I know. <laughs> nice. It's like asking if we're still going to be alive at that point. Yeah. All right. Right on. All right, Herms. So uh, there's going to be no after hours. Just a heads up because Chad left. Fun. So once I once I end this, we're done. So normally we have an after hours and you know we talk about the show, but we're not gonna be able to. So anyway, thank you all. I don't know how to end a dynasty podcast because um A Dynasty League technically no. never ends. Yeah. So, <laughs> there you go. It's a good I'm point. We have never found a good sign off for sh- for this show. But anyway, before I go, Herms, you want to plug anything once again? On Twitter at Herms NFL, that's where you can find me. It's where you can find my tweets. Sometimes it's about football. Sometimes it's just the random thoughts that I have throughout my day. I don't know. It is what it is. But there's some pretty fun information that comes out of there. And that's also where you can find links that I post to my written work over at Fantasy Pros. That's where you can find me doing a bunch of articles and stuff. I have a ton of fun stuff coming out. Uh, as part of, you know, we're putting together some redraft material for people to focus on. It's about that time of year, folks, so get ready. And then my podcast, The Lateral Show, uh, you can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, anywhere Anchor publishes it. I don't really know. Those are the three that I'm aware of. I'm sure it's on other platforms. I just don't Stitcher. know. It, it probably, you know, Anchor does it for me. So if you like hearing me doing stuff like this, but you just want to hear more F-bombs, then that's the place that you can hear me do that. Uh, otherwise, I have some I have some fun stuff in the works, uh, but, you know, we'll, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll hear more about it as time goes along. So, at Herms NFL, best place you can find me. All right, thank you so much, man. And I, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You're one of my favorite people in the Dynasty space. Keep it real, brother. I know that's your, I know that's your bag. Just keep Keep on keeping it, right? Well, Absolutely. Keep keep on trucking, as as we used to say in the seventies. Because I'm an old man. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, um, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Oh, it's still live. Okay. Well, thank you for joining into the Dynasty War Games. It was very fun. Uh, yes. Goodbye. When we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. We won a game yesterday. And if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak.